You guys ready? Yeah. You're ready? Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, yeah. I don't really know how to start yet, but it's probably going to be something like, welcome to Late to the Movies. I'm Ben Holtz. I forgot to say my name the last two episodes. <laughs> and this is a podcast where friends, my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots. Every week, we'll pick a movie that either I or a guest hasn't seen before, but really should have by now. This week, the movie is Silence of the Lambs. And this week, once again, the newbie is Robbie. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking like, at a certain point, you could have just named it Movies Robbie Hasn't Seen. <laughs> I'm fine with that. And I swear I had that thought before. Earlier this week, I saw on Instagram that, um, I don't know if you guys have ever listened to Comedy Bang Bang. Nope. Nope. So it's it's huge. It's great. It's one of the first podcasts I listened to. It's been around forever. And I feel like just in the last couple of weeks, the host of that show started a new podcast called Scott Hasn't Seen where he watches movies he hasn't seen before and talks about them. Oh, damn. He's not from Germany by any chance, no, is he? I don't think he's from <laughs> Germany, the UK, or Russia. Um, so I just want to ha- put that out there that we started doing this a few months ago. <laughs> I didn't know about that show yet. Should we not get I, a cease and desist together? I don't think so. Not that anyone has rights over the idea of watching a movie, but just to, just to say, it is pretty similar we have a couple of returning champions you've already heard their voices that's greg and ray hey guys hey you guys were on the spirited away episode and this one is basically the opposite is what i wrote here <laughs> yeah my two favorite genres you know uh happy animated looking stuff and uh serial killers if Sorry. i th- if i thought about it more there's probably more interesting things they both have tiny women in the center of them but <laughs> Um, beyond that, I don't know. We just like a strong female character, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I want myself a strong female lead. But yeah, we're doing uh, one of those movies for sure today in Silence of the Lambs. Before we get into that, though, I, I w- was remiss in the last episode not to mention our international number still growing strong. We now, in addition to Germany, we have Russia and the UK each putting up huge numbers <laughs> on our episode. So I just want to give a hearty guten tag. Privyet. And all right, mate. And that'll be uh, my my hello to our international listeners. As you guys know, uh, we usually start by just talking about random crap for a while. So what have you guys been watching? What have we been watching? Honestly, throw. Did you, do we have UK listeners? Sure. Oh, yeah. Great British either, Bake Off. I was, it's either UK listeners or you on a VPN. <laughs> okay, so we don't have any UK listeners. <laughs> we've been watching the Great British Bake Off. Nice. What else have we watched? I feel like there was something else New we episodes? Watching. Oh, we watched, we watched Squid Game. We did. Oh, okay. Yeah. New episodes and old episodes. Gotcha. Nice comfort show. Yeah, yeah. When you don't really want to pay attention to TV, that's ours. We're talking Squid Game? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great British Bake Off is a comfort oh, okay. show. Gotcha. Gotcha. Been getting our bake off on. Yes. But we did also watch Squid Game in between very recently. Nice. Do, do you like the new hosts? Not of Squid Game, of British Bake Off. Oh, yeah. I feel like every time they have a new host, we're very skeptical. But within the first episode, we're like, no, this is great. Every now and then they'll have these jokes and I'm like, maybe British people think these are funny. But I get a good <laughs> laugh thinking that British people think it's funny. Yes. And then obviously- We some... laugh because we're missing the joke. Yeah. Yes. But they're pretty funny. I enjoy them. They're fucking weird, but... Yeah, yeah. So, Noel Fielding... Weirdest um, guy I've ever met in my life. Love him. <laughs> and from... He makes the show. The previous hosts, I guess, uh, Mel... Yep. Goodrich, Goodrich, whatever. They're both on different, I think, different seasons. I think it might be the same season. 
No, it's different seasons of uh, the show Taskmaster, which is a British panel show. Oh, you like that one. That right? translates a lot better to American sensibilities. I feel like a lot of the British panel shows, I just feel like I'm missing every single joke. But that one is about um, making people do stupid things, and that translates in every language, I feel like, mm, yeah, in every culture. How about you, Rob? You watching anything about Soup well, I, recently? I finished uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine for the third time. There you go. I, I was on it the last time you asked that, so uh, I went back to Parks and Rec. I uh, pretty much just binge things while Glad I wait for you doing that to... instead of watching new stuff. Yeah. No, uh, I will never watch Firefly. <laughs> I was about to say, watch fucking Firefly. <laughs> I, do, I do need to watch It's Firefly. like eight episodes. Just watch it. It's yeah. like my one movie you know the one where everyone's like you have to see this that's firefly in this tv show mm-hmm. eh, it's okay one day yeah i mean if you watch all what eight episodes and the movie that's about as long as squid game probably yes instead you're watching community for the how many of time parks and rec and probably like 15th i fucking love yeah. the show you just loop <laughs> i just loop yeah well it's like i don't have to pay attention i just put it on and do whatever yeah just that mm-hmm. that sweet Comfort sweet show. second term Obama optimism. <laughs> oh man, oof! Yeah, that's some hardcore nostalgia right there. <laughs> so, um, now that I'm trying to put it off or anything, but that was fun. And now let's talk about Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> um, I said last time you guys were on for Spirited Away that maybe is the best movie we'll ever do on this podcast, and you somehow finagled into doing another one that might be the best movie we'll ever do on this podcast. You will be paying for that soon. Um, I'll Let me check my notes. I have one thing written down. This movie is good. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all I got for this one. Uh, and you, and you'll, you'll be paying it. in the form of watching uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, and that'll come soon, uh, which which to me is also one of the best movies we'll ever do. I'm I don't think you'll feel I'm honestly super excited to watch Muppet Christmas Carol and then come on here and tell everyone how fucking shitty it is. <laughs> What if you're uh, watching it and Ren sees you and now she loves Muppets? No, I'm going to wait till she's asleep. I've <laughs> tried to get her to watch the Muppets and she will And she not. knows they suck. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then like later on when she's a teenager, you'll go into her room and she'll have Kermit posters up everywhere. And she'll be like, I learned by watching you. <laughs> oh my God. It's the one with your face on it. <laughs> How did you get this? <laughs> the suspensers? The internet's forever, you know. <gasps> so Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> oh, yeah. <gasps> I'm curious, Robbie, you haven't seen this before, but surely you've seen like pieces and bits and clips here because it's just unavoidable, I feel like. I've honestly never seen actual pieces or clips because I'm highly squeamish. So like, honestly, when we got to the middle of the movie, I had to pause like six times and like get up and and walk around. Like when when he was like, Tying people to a cage with their fucking insides cut mm-hmm. out. That was, was the little... one part I was like, oh, I don't think Robbie's gonna like this part. Uh, I did but, not like that part. But that's like the only part I feel like, really. Everything else was fine. That part, there was at one point where like I actually had to like dive into my bed and Sydney sensed that something was up and like head up against my chin. Like Sydney's a know. dog, just Sydney's my dog. It felt like she was like a therapy dog for a second. I'm like, do you realize I'm having an anxiety attack? Like that's probably crazy. they're smart. Yeah, it was nuts. But yeah, this movie goes to goes to some real places after ramping up a little bit. But but when you say you hadn't seen bits and pieces, but you were probably familiar with some of the more parodied aspects. Last episode you and I did was Dead Poet Society, another one where there's a lot of parodied aspects of the movie that get filtered out into pop culture and kind of bastardized and stuff. And that's super true 
of this movie also. Well, yeah, I mean, I've seen Joe Dirt. So the Buffalo, say, the Buffalo the Bill scene, it well, was right? pretty, <laughs> pretty spot on as far as like those two scenes go. Uh, yeah. Just a little more comical in Joe Dirt, of yeah. course. Pretty much any 90s and that's even like early thousands, I guess. Mm. Uh, comedy has has a Buffalo Bill joke in it, I feel like. And you guys mm. uh, love this movie. I yep. love this movie. Or is it just awesome. Greg? Greg was more vocal, but you love this movie too? Yeah. Okay. It, it's one of my favorites, but it's not like the canned favorite that I'll tell everybody because I feel like they'll judge me pretty hard on that. Mm. I feel like it's one of my favorites, but it's not um, in line with a lot of the other ones where it's a movie where I'm like, yeah, I want to watch this all the time. It's great, but it's not a movie. It's like, yeah, you know, I'd love to throw silence on the lambs on for a little bit. You know, I actually <laughs> did that when it was on Netflix. <laughs> Occasionally, yeah, but it's not. Very much the op- opposite of like your comfort. Yeah, it's uh, definitely not a feel good movie. No. no, it's so cool though, and it's, it's it is it is really watchable. I, I I wouldn't call it comfort food, but maybe not the right you know word choice for this particular I movie. But. The white girl and me, like in the serial killer stuff. <laughs> right. Well, interesting point. Yeah, <laughs> it's not too too reductive to say, but it's almost like a really intense, very good Law and Order episode. Like it, if like without the trial part, but it feels very much like that whole like very intense like drama based. Yeah, it's like a yeah, and I think well, Law and Order came out in like 1998. Oh yeah, something like that. So this was 91. So this kind of started all of that trend of you know, serial killer and crime documentary kind of stuff. That's exactly right. If you look at the top podcasts and, you know, uh, Apple podcasts, if you look at the top TV shows, not just Law and Order, but to CSI, NCIS, definitely Criminal Minds, any of those shows that ever have any kind of um, weird serial killer plot, it's taking a lot from this. And this movie is such a phenomenon when it comes out and, uh, Makes it seem like there's a big change at the Oscars. It wins the big five categories. And then the Oscars goes back to rewarding stuff like uh, Forrest Gump within the next couple of years. So um, it's maybe not the sea change that it seemed at the time when it won Best Actor, Director, Actress, this uh, is a podcast, Adapted Screenplay, and obviously Best Picture as well at the, what, 92, I want to say, ceremony. So yeah, great movie. And uh, whoa, what, what? Nothing. It's fine. <laughs> we'll get to it eventually. That that'll be Forrest Gump will be my Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> it is going to be your Muppet Christmas. I don't understand why you like that movie. You're not seventy. <laughs> you just no like the good old days. I don't yeah. get it. Okay. The first time I ever did see it was on VHS at my grandma's house. <laughs> So good. I don't know if they ever made anything beyond VHS of that. Probably they did. They did. Greg has the DVD. You have to actually like get it in the mail from Netflix still. No, it's in the five dollar bin at Walmart yeah. when they just have a big like, pile of DVDs. I have like six movies on DVD, and that's one of them. Right there. <laughs> Oof. Well, we're talking about Sons of Lambs today, <laughs> which we also have on DVD. As uh, yeah, it's it's a great movie. Uh, you have perhaps. It must be like a collector's item because you have a two-pack of Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal, which came out 10 years later, but you've got them together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 10 yeah. years later. That's 10 years later, Anthony Hopkins trying to play the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I told you, the quote on the back of the box, that it's one of the rare cases where the sequel is better than the original. <laughs> at making us money. Because <laughs> <laughs> the sequel won just every category at the Oscars, right? Every single one, if I remember I think, correctly. I think the opposite. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> we should see if it won any Razzies. I don't know if it was quite that bad. It's still a Ridley Scott movie, and you know, uh, Big T was in it. Tony Hop, um, our favorite. I told guy. you called him Tony Hop. His <laughs> boy <laughs> Hawk. I was like, what? Tony Hop. Yeah, no. Every it's like time Tony you Hawk, say it, I just Hawk. like cringe a little. <laughs> I'm gonna refer to him as Tony for the rest of this. Yeah. No, so, I don't like that. To, to we just have such a close relationship. And uh, what I remember about it going in, it's a movie I've seen a bunch of times, but it's awesome. Uh, the director's Jonathan Demi. He's great. We can get more into him and his extremely empathetic approach to filmmaking. Probably his best movie, maybe. I don't know. It's up there for him, at least. Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, huge in this movie. It's Jodie Foster's second Oscar, uh, Tony's first. His He just won his second, as we're recording this, at the most recent uh, Oscar ceremony. And uh, those were the main things in my mind going in. Obviously, a few of the quotes, the kind of Mandela effect of Hello, Clarice, which isn't the line he says when they meet, you know. Uh, But that is still probably the most famous line from the movie, even though it's not in the movie. Was it on a poster? Is that what happened? Like, did they do like a Hello, Clarice poster? I don't think so. Hmm. I think it just kind of, it's just, one of those mind things everyone's like yeah that's what he says right because in the parodies of it that's what he says gotcha i think just the way he says her name is just like say. so like iconic that people are just like oh that's gonna be what it, what it was oh right, right. Yeah. they can remember how he said hello they can remember her name whatever yeah but yeah that scene obviously buffalo bill the puts the lotion on the skin scene yeah uh tony saying chianti and fava beans and yeah, <laughs> I um, love that part. Uh, now I get the clerk's reference where uh, he's like, "Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me." Mm-hmm. That's uh, Buffalo yeah. Bill. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Indeed. Who who is the actor who plays Buffalo Bill? Ted Levine. Does I don't know? Maybe he pronounces Levine, but I think it's Ted Levine. Is there other things he's been in? I I feel like I've never seen him bef- besides this one. So he also was uh, one of the main characters in Monk, playing in a very different uh, mode. I haven't seen it, but nope. it, uh, yeah, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what he does in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, but that's the second new Jurassic Park movie. He's in that. Okay, now I got go to go find that. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> he's in the first Fast and Furious. Okay, he's got he's got a, a wide range on his, his resume over here. <laughs> All huh? over the place. If we can find someone that hasn't seen Fast and the Furious, that would be a good one. I bet we know people who haven't seen all nine Fast and Furious movies. No, 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 no. But guy who plays Buffalo Bill, gotta applaud him. You know, he's given this script, like this is what we want you to do, and he says, "Yeah, I'm, I'm all about this. Let's go." Yeah, you came to the right weirdo. Yeah, it's it's really good. And you guys sure you don't want me to act? really just went for it. <laughs> and obviously more recent critical um, chatter around it about its depiction of trans people. And uh, we'll get into that as the movie does too. Once we talk about a brief plot summary from Robbie once again. All right. So starts off with uh, Clarice doing some athletic activities. Cuts to her being pulled out of them to go meet with FBI director guy. And she's going to go talk to Hannibal Lecter, a very dangerous cannibal Lecter. Um, So goes to talk to him. 
he's really creepy and like psychologically intelligent. I don't know how to describe him. It's Hannibal Lecter, you know who he is. Um, and you know, it's a game of cat and mouse. They're looking for Buffalo Bill. Eventually, they're able to find him with some trickery from Lecter. FBI goes off in the wrong direction. Clarice is the only one that actually knows what she's doing, and she uh, finds Buffalo Bill and manages to save the senator's daughter. And, uh, that's yeah, it's the movie. That is uh, essentially it. Buffalo Bill does some weird stuff, but we already kind of talked about that. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good overview. Pretty much, yeah. My once the movie started, my first note was uh, this is an aside, but it took me way too long to reset motion smoothing on my TV. Um, huh. It took forever. I don't know why. I guess I must have changed the HDR settings, and then I had to go back and reset motion smoothing so Tom Cruise wouldn't be mad at me. Uh, that's but that's a longer story. Um, Starting at Quantico, young Jodie Foster, maybe not even friends with Mel Gibson yet. It's my next line. And uh, <laughs> she doesn't even know what she wants. Yeah. The the opening of this movie is awesome. It's great. I forgot. That's what Greg was saying, too. He was so, like, like, wow, the music this is the best. And, like them like going through the woods and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really sets a tone. I was gonna say it's the first time I, I mentioned the opening. I know I glanced over it, but like I felt like it was important to mention the opening. Like, yeah, she's so sweaty. It's so, <laughs> she was really like, good. I, she's so sweaty. Specifically, and she's Love like it. in the elevator. She does not look uncomfortable whatsoever. There's a bunch of dudes in business suits, and she's just drip. It's like, yep, I called the office. I don't know what you want me to do. That like, dude mm. scene happens a couple times too, and I love it every time. <laughs> Yeah. There's uh, a lot of dude scenes in this movie. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. was not one single guy she went up to that did not immediately hit on her. The entire movie, mm-hmm. except for Buffalo Bill. <laughs> They're all like, oh, they all stare at her and stuff too. And that's like a thing too, because Lecter mentions it to her at one point. Like you can, you can feel the eyes on you all the time, can't you? Like you know what they're thinking and like. They cover what they know, what they see every day, yeah. right? Well, you see the inmates are crazy with that, but, like, the psychiatrist, like, in charge, that first guy, like, like what are you doing in town? It'd be good to have a... Do-. And then, like, she goes to the, the small town to find Buffalo Bill, and the guy's just straight up like, you should let me take you out. She's hunting a criminal right now. Yeah, she's very clearly working. Like, every single time, she's she's very clearly at murderer's work. trail. She's yes. doing something very important right now. All these people she's meeting for are for work purposes, every Every single one of them and they all immediately hit on it. immediately wow you're really hot let's do this like oh man how does she get anything done <laughs> well she barely does but you can see she <laughs> she has some um obviously learned skill even though she's just an academy recruit not a full special agent yet in that very first scene you mentioned uh chilton the psychiatrist running the uh institution that lector's at comes down there and brings her down to the level that the most creepy dudes are kept at. Um, max <laughs> the creepiness. Weird basement. For patients. <laughs> yes. The most severe patients are at. And she says, oh, maybe I should go in alone. And he kind of gives like a pithy, like, mm, you could have told me that before I walked all the way down here. And you can see that she deflects it by saying like, oh, I would have been deprived of your company then. Yeah. And that's something that obviously she's learned, even though she's young, uh, how to diffuse powerful dudes in situations like that. That has to be something she does multiple times every day in her job. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. That was It was very skillfully done. Yeah, that's... The, oh, my God. The, this movie is so, so good. It's setting up everything, but especially the first meeting with Lecter. There's a cut where... The boss starts a sentence. Yes. And she says, it, oh, what is he? Mm-hmm. And then the Chilton guy 
answers he's a monster yeah and you're in a different location but Love continuing it. the same conversation with different characters yep so good um also a just really efficient way to set up a guy when he says oh your assignment is hannibal lecter and she goes oh hannibal cannibal and <laughs> yep. um you're like oh well that's a fun name for a dude and i feel like most of the time when he's referred to you don't hear his name Hannibal a lot. I don't know if anyone else even says Hannibal the Cannibal the rest of the movie. Nope. But it's effective even just once. We um we were talking about it after we watched it, and we think one of the best parts about him is how they give you just the right amount of information about him. He's Hannibal the Cannibal. He was arrested. He's here, and you know he killed a census taker, and that's it. You don't know how many people you killed, what he did exactly, other than the fact that he's Hannibal the Cannibal. How he yeah. got caught. You know nothing about his history. You, you know that he's nothing incredibly dangerous, though, because they yes. also give you that blurb of, like, somebody got close and he, like, ate their face off before the guards could come. So, yep. but again, you don't know what crimes he did. You just you know, know he's smart. He's, he's dangerous, dangerous. But you know nothing about his history. Yeah. Like, they provide you none of that. And then you see him and he's like a 50-year-old man in the corner of a cell. And it's like, this guy is the most wanted, dangerous murderer I've ever met. Like. That's why you mentioned the prequel earlier. I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to know anything about his story. I know enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can, like, leaving it up to the imagination is better. Well, it's good because it's not good. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, the yeah, the intro is just so well pitched at every moment. Even seeing this movie a bunch of times, you still feel like, this is terrifying as <laughs> she's walking in to meet this dude. <laughs> and there's a few other, what, three other inmates down there, and they're all super creepy and different sort of stereotypical kind of crazy person that you see in a movie ways. Mm. And then she comes around the corner to look into his cell and he's standing at a very weird angle. His <laughs> hands straight rigid. down. In yeah. the middle of his in room, the room. Yeah. Yeah. nothing. And just says, <laughs> waiting. good morning. And it's like, oh, that's actually the creepiest dude here <laughs> by far. Yeah, yeah. Problem. Not the dude who's like hanging off the bars of his cell like Spider-Man. It's this guy who's just, just creeping out. Being a big old creep. So this obviously has a ton of ton of iconic lines in it. Uh, Anthony Hopkins isn't in the movie a ton, more than a lot of the... There's always the stat that he's only on screen for 13 minutes or something like that. Hmm. Um, but those people who you get that number don't count when someone's talking to him and his face isn't directly on screen and stuff. So he's around more than that. But he's still not in it a ton, so... I'd be interested to see those numbers in context, though. Like, how often was Jodie Foster on the screen? It's probably only, like, 25 or 30 minutes. Yeah, eh, she was in it more. No, I, I know. But, like, when you say 13 minutes, it seems so little. But I have no frame of reference for how long anyone's in any movie. That's fair. He's definitely in it less than, like, he's, this, it's not his story. No, 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 no it's, absolutely it's not. That's why he gets he, he was nominated for Best Actor, too. It wasn't even Best Supporting. Yeah, he won Best Lead. yeah. Clarice, Agent Starling, and Buffalo Bill are like it's it's really their story. Mm. You don't get like we said that you don't. He's really like a kind of a side character. You don't get a lot of his story. There's that one section, the one that we'll get to. That's kind of the only the big gory scenes. We don't have to go in order. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, but yeah, he has his one section towards the end there where he's kind of fooling the FBI essentially, mm. which is sort of, sort of kicking that. kicking off the third act. He has that amazing super iconic gambit that he does to get free yes and then he's pretty much gone until the very last scene of the movie yes and there's there's that but besides that he's not the main character it's not his story that's the only part of his story this movie really tells is his escape 
which is really cool. Honestly, I love that part because I feel like every time you watch it, uh, Starling leaves after he like doesn't really give her the information. He gives her the case file. She's dragged away. And then there's like 20 minutes where it's just him doing this stuff. And that's like the longest you go without seeing Starling. And really what's happened is they like totally paused the story they were telling us to be like, here's this instead. But you don't notice because it's so awesome. Like it does, it's like perfect. But you really, they totally just pause the story on us and like all the stuff they've been like building up, trying to catch Buffalo Bill. We're on a time limit here to get him before he kills this girl. We know when he's going to kill her. And they're like, but you guys really want to know what's going to happen with Lecter. So <laughs> we'll come back to that. And you're not upset about it. You don't even all. notice. You don't even notice. Well, and then by the time you get back to it, they've inadvertently built the suspense because it's like, oh crap, <laughs> what's been going on with that? Awesome. Love it. There is an element to what Demi does with this movie that is a lot of times he's showing you the different pieces that are going to make up this kind of domino effect later in the movie. And then there's other times when you realize, like in this sequence, that actually the whole movie has been setting up these dominoes mm. and that Lecter's been in this cell for eight years and, ha- and is the most brilliant dude in the movie and has nothing and has had nothing but time to come up with a plan and this whole thing has been him putting that plan in motion and manipulating events so he would be in a spot where he has an opportunity to do exactly this pretty much the whole time. And uh, yeah, smart dude. And that that sequence in particular is just such... I don't know. It's hard to really think of other action sequences because that's essentially an action movie sequence where you can track absolutely every bit of it down to, you know where he got the piece of pen he uses for the lockpick. Yep. Mm. You know that these guys said that they were going to be cordial to him and then were rude. So he's going to eat them because he eats rude people. (laughs) Um, You see him after killing the more senior guy with the bigger hair, picking up the switchblade, specifically calling out the dude whose face he's going to cut off. Yep. And saying, ready when you are, and walking over to him with the knife. You see the elevator moving in a kind of weird pattern. Which you hear you the lay- gunshots. You hear the gunshots. You just, every piece of it, you can track, and you know where it came from, and how it got to where it was. And it doesn't matter, because you don't actually see the totality of it until the reveal at the end, where, he's, where he uh, sits up in the back of the ambulance and takes the other dude's face off. And one of the more, <laughs> like... I, there's so many moments in this movie where I just want to be like, I want to be in a theater on opening night when no one knew what was about to happen in <laughs> yep. so many of oh, these scenes. So uh, yeah. I want to hear more from Robbie. <laughs> oh yeah. No. So I, I definitely like, I had a lot to say about this scene because uh, like I said, it, it was tough for me, but this isn't the goriest thing I've ever seen before. It was just so artfully done. Like you could feel every human element and aspect of what was going on which i just thought was uh absolutely incredible and then i mean to know like oh he's he's got that person's face on uh and then oh so i knew probably around the time when they were in the um like his face was all uh, bandaged up and then they saw the other guy wasn't moving at that point i was like okay he cut his face off but what was freaking me out before that was not knowing 
what was going on with Lecter. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know what didn't he know did he to was. that yeah. guard mm-hmm. he, that was in the ambulance, not knowing it was Lecter. I was like, how bad did he fuck this guy up? You know what I like? And that was what was messing was my imagination going with it. Mm-hmm. And then when like it finally clicked, I was like, oh shit, that's even like crazier. So it was, it was, yeah, there, there is another even bigger carpet pull in this movie that I, I want to save for a little bit later, but, um, that sequence is so cool. And that basically kicks off the third act, which is this famously harrowing stretch of movie where from that scene through the end is just edge of your seat stuff the whole way. Yeah. <laughs> One more thing we noticed about that scene that we liked a lot. Yeah. Right before he sits up in the ambulance, before he like does the reveal, the guy in the ambulance, like the EMT or whatever, is talking to probably a doctor or something. And he's telling the condition. He goes, his pulse is 85. And earlier in the movie, when they talk about how they give you the picture of how dangerous Lecter is, they talk about him assaulting a nurse and like eating her face. And then as he t- finishes the story and shows the picture, he goes, the whole time his pulse never goes above 85. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other thing, that. it's awesome. Yeah, the other yeah, thing Greg and I really liked about that scene too is because we we really paid attention to like the character building for him. That's when you realize, you know, they never tell you like what he did, how he got there, like how he got caught, any of his history, any of that. But all of the cops that are in that state house building are so scared of him mm. there's like 50 people there and then as soon as they realize that something's wrong they're all drenched in sweat get the SWAT team when yeah. they come up the stairs too you can see they made all them all terrified. coated in sweat yep. which gave me a laugh cause I, I noticed every time sweat. I've seen this movie I noticed uh, Starling is drenched in the beginning <laughs> So Demi's also really adept at comedy and you can tell in this sequence where it all of a sudden sets up and you've gotten such nuanced, even, even though they're big characters like Lecter or just nuanced and so well played like Clarice or whatever you want to say Ted Levine's doing with Buffalo Bill, which is so unique and so different to other performances in movies like this, that to set up the cops that go to investigate it to put it in their perspective, the, the Lecter escape sequence. And you just set up with just a few lines, these really broad archetypal type cop characters who seem very inept (laughs) and their leader with his ridiculous, weirdly long mustache. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) Yeah. And and you're like, you know know exactly who these guys are. The mustache. You're like, that's the, (laughs) that's the captain or something. (laughs) I've been noticing that a lot lately in like police movies where they, they send the older guys in with the most dangerous people, which on one hand I get because you want the most experienced, but they always get overpowered. And it's like, where's your, you know, buff 25 year old just backing you guys up because that's what these situations need. In their defense, they got overpowered by how old is Hannibal? Lecter's supposed to be 55 honestly I love that part too when he overpowers them because like he does he has a very blank expression the whole time he like beats someone to death with like the billy club and he's just like swinging away there's like some music playing and he's just in the symphony yeah exactly doesn't go above 85 yep yep awesome so good yeah that sequence is awesome so I'm I'm glad we just were like yeah let's talk about it now (laughs) I got it it's Um, so good that that first Clarice Lecter meeting has a lot of the iconic but not all of the iconic lines in the movie that's where he says uh, he tells her where she's from and mocks her accent and (laughs) says uh, you know what you look like to me with your 
good bag in your cheap shoes. You look like a rube. <laughs> so two two things is so fun. on the the comedy thing. One the the rube thing. I mean, even when this movie came out, that was an old insult. So like, it kind of it took me out of it a little bit because if somebody was like scaring the shit out of me, and then all of a sudden they called me a rube, it would just it would pull me right out. Like, Especially like you look like a rube. Yeah, I'm yes. a I'm a rube. Like, eat me. What are you? Doing? <laughs> <laughs> but um did so when he pulled the face off i that almost felt like comic relief at that point because he like he had this expression on his face and he was just like it was like a here's johnny like he and i don't know at that point i expected it to come too so it was almost like the i don't know i, I don't know if anybody else the, the prestige of the joke <laughs> <laughs> just like oh yep and here he is he's about to fuck everything up and then they're like yep he killed all the atms emts yeah, he's still in the ambulance and, uh, he's gone civilian yeah. yep <laughs> Um, that first meeting is also the, uh, census taker tested me once. I ate his liver with a fava beans and a nice Chianti. I wrote here. I just can't believe how good Tony does. Don't call him Tony. My God. Show some respect, man. Maybe I'll ask him before this airs if it's okay if I call him Tony and that'll... He won't say yes. <laughs> you don't know that. How old is he now? 80s, I want to say. He's old. His last role, he did a very good job playing someone with dementia. So. <laughs> Didn't even have to act. Just walk right in. Very good. Turn on the camera. <laughs> no, but he does. that. Honestly, I feel like it... It's it's all him, honestly, that makes this character. And it, he sets oh, yeah. it right there in that very first meeting with her. He just goes for it so hard, um, Tony, like you were saying, Ray. Um, he just goes for it so hard. I don't know. I just couldn't picture anyone else doing the fa 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 and me I, being I can't like. Either. We read a I can't list either. of people who they considered for that role. Who they wanted to work with Sean Connery. It was, was Sean Connery. Sean that's right. No. no. Picture. Um, I ate his liver with. Yeah, no. One. A fa 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 fa. Oh, no. That's horrible. One thing I did notice is like a lot of like edgelord personalities I met in middle school made a lot more sense. Like the trying to pull off the Anthony Hopkins thing and just seeming like a creepy weirdo but like okay. that's what turned me off from horror movies is i was like these seem weird mm-hmm. but yeah uh, well one of the things i was reading about it too is they said that this particular villain like there hadn't been one like this before like before this every villain that was in a horror movie was like a creepy guy in a mask or like you know a, a like a slasher kind of film this was the first one where it was just a smart dude mm. you know that was like kind of scary just because he was polite and like creepy honestly i think this is the greatest villain i've ever seen in a movie mm. i would tend to agree and it's not even the first time hannibal lecter was in a movie um the manhunter came out a few years before and that was brian cox who now stars on succession but he plays him more like a normal guy anthony hopkins plays him like a vampire interesting they kind of like tip at that when the guy's like is yeah. he a vampire yeah jody foster's like why are you should be smarter is. if you're a cop and no he's not a vampire <laughs> so is, is manhunter part of the universe or is that just i think it's a harris novel i'm pretty sure it's part of it so these are based on i'll google books. just in case yeah yeah this is a novel right yes it's a novel uh gotcha okay so eight the 86 yeah. manhunter is an adaptation of red dragon so oh okay but they just didn't call it Red Dragon that time. And that's that's with Brian Cox's Lecter. And uh, Brian Cox is really good, but um, he plays him like a more normal guy. It's so. a tough... I think Anthony Hopkins was the only person yeah. that could do that. And Yeah. I don't know if it's 
Tony's performance or just like, because there's a lot of good setup they do for Lecter, but there's just something about him where like, I feel like normally if someone tried to sell me a villain, they're like, he's the, he's perfect. He's the smartest ever. He doesn't make any mistakes in this. I would just, I'd be like, what? And he's like, even though he's old, he's like overpowering people and stuff. I wouldn't just not be able to buy it. You know what I mean? But they just do so good. And I don't, like I said, I don't know exactly what it is. Well, that's why they had to keep the screen time down and the mystery because you don't actually have to see all of that stuff. So it doesn't, it's not as ridiculous as when you see Jason Statham going out and like actually doing yeah. it. It's just like these things happened and you have to fill in the blanks. Yeah. I feel like intelligent characters too in general like if someone tries to sell me on this person's the smartest they never make any mistakes ever mm. you're just like you can't buy it but you really can with like yeah it's it's the studio 60 on the sunset strip problem right that came out at the same time as 30 rock and the in fiction comedy show that the people on studio 60 were making was supposed to be very good and then they had to actually write comedy sketches to be in the show and they were bad <laughs> Whereas on Thirty Rock, the point is that the show's bad. Yeah. So, yeah. and one of those failed horribly after just a few episodes, and one did not. So, yeah, interesting. It's you, if you tell me something, you have to actually show it and back it up too, right? And they do. Yeah, I think just from that first time that he's on screen, what Anthony Hopkins does to be empathetic, kind of weirdly, um. Maybe not charming, but like sort of slyly charming and just like politeness. Yeah, sometimes like he can just change the gravity of a room and seem like he's 50 feet tall just by changing his tone of voice and the way he's standing. Yeah, it's just uh, pretty incredible. Pretty incredible stuff. I think uh, what helped me like them sell him to me is when he's first having that conversation with her, too, and she asks him to. Like, oh, here, take take the booklet. And he's like, oh, you were doing so good. You know, yeah, you gave no, me. No. Th- yeah, no, no, no. You know, you when you you told me that embarrassing thing Migs told you and you you were you made a. Con- yeah, yeah, you established trust. And he's going over all like the police techniques. And I was like, oh, yeah, huh? That all that did happen. You're right. You're right. I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think that like that change of tone that he had, I feel like that's when I started to get really afraid of him. Mm. Like. He, I don't know what it was like even him just doing the stupid fake accent like he read right through her and he was just so terrifying like in that moment it was like oh okay no he knows everything that's going on this yeah. is this is actually a kind of dangerous guy mm. the one thing that I'm never sure on him helping um, Agent Starling is this all part of his plan from the beginning or does he kind of help her because he kind of likes her Um, I don't think it's necessarily just one I think it's been a. I think he senses immediately that she's probably the smartest and most interesting person he's talked to in eight years. That's what I was saying. Is it? It, it is a source of amusement for him. Yeah. Too, no. He's know? he en- he enjoys it. Well, yeah. I mean, just like we, it's it's game recognized game, right? Like we were talking about how she deflected, you know, the psychologist's advances. Like mm-hmm. she also knows how to handle people like that. She was doing it with him and it's, oh, you're actually good at this. Like if somebody was taught you what you were doing, you'd probably be great. But like, you know, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. yeah. And it, it is that, like an actual mentor relationship. She becomes better at her job more due to what he helps her kind of figure out than what um, the guy who I keep forgetting his name does. <laughs> Jack Crawford? Yeah, Crawford. And no, if he had done go. a better job, I'd have remembered his name. Nah, he's not yeah. a particularly memorable character. No. Well, I don't think he's supposed to be. No. No. He's like the male lead of the FBI who probably gets all the credit for, for what, what she, did. she does. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And I think that who's, is- who seemingly gets taken off the case, but then is just on the case anyway yeah. at the end. Okay, I'm just going to do that. I mean, what authority did the senator have to actually do that? Yeah. 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 Maybe she did in that state. But like they're yeah, leaving just, the state, like that's well, the I'm FBI. Part job. of the FBI, you're a senator. Like, are you, uh, I don't yeah. know. it should yeah. be separate. But. Yeah. So I always wondered, like, and that's kind of what I assumed. It was a bit of both. He's planning, but he also kind of like he does have some respect for her because I do notice in that se- first scene where they meet, she's leaving without any information. She's got nothing from him. Mm. No, like, plans to come back until Miggs decides to like throw some bodily fluids at her, and then you know, Tony calls her back and gives her like a tidbit of information. And he, he apologizes yeah. for Migs too. Like that was so like, I would never do something like that. Yeah. Um, but, like but does people. give her yeah. a riddle essentially. He does give her a riddle, but that's what brings her back. Yeah. So I want, like, I almost wonder like, did, did he need to like feel a little, like he was almost there like, Oh, I do kind of like her. And then that was like the tipping point. Like, okay, I feel bad for her. I'll give her a little something and we'll play this game. Hmm. Possibly, and um, that could have been a little test for her too. You know, like mm-hmm. oh, maybe she'll figure this out, and if she does, she'll come back, and she's like worthy of you know. I think so. Yeah, playing I around. Think, yeah. yeah, I think so it's for sure. The game. There. So I, w- I did want to mention. We said before that this this is on TV a lot, and the first time I saw anything from this was on TV. If you see it on TV, they cut out a lot of stuff. Unsurprisingly. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe that was the version that Robbie should have watched. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So the, this scene plays out like it's just like she's leaving and it's really quiet. And then all of a sudden everyone's screaming and he's yelling about Miss Moffat. Yes. <laughs> That's weird. Well, they, they cut out the bodily fluids. Yes. So <laughs> I actually like I saw this movie at way too young of an age. I don't know how old I was, but it was on TV. And like I so had you, no you had idea. Questions. I had no idea what happened the whole time. It's just like, oh, everyone went crazy, and he decided to call her back for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they crazy like cut out. It was it was spit. It wasn't like it was, or no, was it cum? Yeah. Oh <laughs> shit! He's jacking off on the bed. You can see he's like yeah, he's like doing and that then, on the bed, and, and then he like it. says something to get her to look at him, and then as soon as she looks at him, he throws it and lands yeah. it in her hair. He's he pretends like he bit his wrist and he's like bleeding out, so and then he goes look. here look. And he chucks it out. So her. I was expecting blood. I saw what hit her and I was like, oh, it must be spit. But yeah, no, it makes much more sense. Than yeah. And that's why yeah. she's like up to this point, she's been totally composed about everything's happened. And she does like have a face when this happens. Like she's obviously hit. This yeah. is a bit more than she's bargained for at this point. Like you don't, ex- you know what I mean? No. Yeah. Yep. yep. And then this also leads to Migs dying, which is something mm-hmm. else I really like. Because he was yes. rude. He was. I feel like it just really is another point where they sell you on Lecter. Because she gets a phone call saying, you know, Miggs is dead. And the only information they give you was, you know, the orderlies heard Hannibal, uh, Hannibal like, whispering to him all night. And that's all it took. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we really liked that um, that line the next time that they have that conversation. And um, I forgot. Oh, he, he Hannibal asks her um, if she thinks that Jack Crawford likes her, like finds her attractive sexually. And she says, oh, I think that's something that Miggs would say. And he goes, not anymore. <laughs> we, we both just died. <laughs> yeah, we're like, wow. That's a fire joke. Well, th- that's definitely something I, I picked up on and keyed into is like Miggs, and, like especially that scene really to, to point it out. But Miggs was like crazy and, and wild and like would say those things because he was like a sexual deviant. And Lecter, even like when he gets to talk to the senator and he says those things, he'll say fucked up things. But he's doing it to see people's reactions. Like, he doesn't 
care about these things whatsoever. It's just very interesting to see how he works that way of like, I'm going to say these these things. Opened up your nipples, didn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice suit. Yeah, he just tests people. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's cool. a game for It's him. just a very uh, interesting, like... Yeah, we did notice for the first time ever that he's referred to as multiple Migs one time. I had noticed that before, and that's what made me wonder if it was a novel. Because I was like, oh, I wonder if he has like a backstory that didn't make the movie. Mm. You know? Oh, okay. I think you just get from that that he's schizophrenic. That's all. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I said. Yeah, that's all you really need. Oh, yeah. Right. As she leaves, she has just to quickly mention the one part of the movie that I think doesn't work is uh, as she leaves, she has a flashback to her uh, father coming home from work. Mm. And later on, she has a different flashback when they're in a funeral parlor of her father's wake. And I don't think the flashbacks work that well. Everything else in the movie's good. I don't think the flashbacks are that good. I don't mind them, but I think- I like the backstory because uh, Dr. Lechter was wrong. But you get it just from her saying it. Yeah, but he guessed that her father was a coal miner. Remember, she didn't say anything. And it's like, oh no, actually my dad was a cop. And yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel like you could cut them though, and not affect the movie really. Yeah, and like I said, it's not because you get enough. Of the a huge problem for me. True. They're very short sequences, but it's just kind of yeah. like, eh. <laughs> I just felt the whole like her wandering into the other funeral thing was weird in general. Like, why would she yeah. do that in the first place? Yeah, to like set up that flashback. So well, she I, doesn't. Well, she didn't. She was. Yeah, oh, that was when the flashback and she hasn't actually gone in. Yeah. Oh, she just looks through the door. Okay, yeah. okay. Because Greg said the same thing. Yeah, I was, okay. I was like, oh no, because that's just the flashback. But it is. It's a kind of a weird scene. That one, it's not the best. I think they're just trying to show like how important her dad was because to set up the whole like lambs thing. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of like airplane scenes to do that on though, where yeah. you just you could put the flashback in anywhere. Just yeah, didn't have to be there. Uh, it's fine. I guess they won the Oscar. So. Yeah, they, they did. Um, <laughs> so could have won more if they listen to me. Yeah. So Hopkins um, sends her to the storage unit after she figures out the riddle. She finds a, a heavily makeup dude's head in a jar. That's a very tough riddle, by the way. I never would have figured that out. Yeah. I'm still no. not sure what it's because he said yourself at some point. He, he said, he "Look inside yourself," and she was like. That's a he, weird thing for him to. He wouldn't said, say yeah. that. Like mm. that's not it's um, too hokey. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's so she, not something he would yeah. say. So she's like, "Yourself has to be something else." Right. Yep. Right, right, right. I also thought it was really funny because when she went to go into the storage unit, right, she went to go open the door, and like she's, you know, this young, like kind of fit FBI agent. She can't open the door, and then that old dude's like, "Oh, do you want me to help you with it?" And I'm like, "Come on, the old dude's gonna do it." <laughs> and I also, it's just a whole nother like chivalry kind of thing. Yeah, I, 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 that that guy had like a whole story that just like. It's some old dude in like a bowler hat who has his own driver that owns the storage facility. This weird mustache. Yeah, it was just what is going on? Monopoly man is just like I own this random storage unit. I particularly love too that she like looks over to his like driver or something, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I would ask him, but he he doesn't like physical labor." And I'm like, you you went all the way to explain to me why this dude couldn't come and do it, but he could. This guy could just not had a driver at all but i just love that like there's someone there who could have done it and just it won't and she's like okay fuck it i'll just do this myself kind of thing my my take on it is like what i was thinking in that whole scene was these people were in on it 
admit that might have been their intention is to make these people weird because I was anticipating like they're going to kick out the jet. You know, there's like a there lot is, of things that could happen. Yeah, because you, you do get nervous for her as she like she just jacks up the storage it is unit just door weird. enough they're to just get weird through. People. <laughs> She's like going underneath and it's, she barely fits. It's suspense. There's like noises that happen when she's in there. And it's the weirder these people are and the more questions you have about them, the, you know, you're just like. Because I've seen it so many times now that it's like you kind of lose some of that because you know that they don't do anything. Right. I do particularly like that she gives him the business card before she goes under and is like, hey, if this door falls down or like anything else, anything else, here's the FBI agent, call them. You, This is like, because it's just like a. And she also said, um, th- they that know, they I'm know that you. I'm with you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She like, it, they go out of their way to show you that she knows what she's doing. Yep. So like, she's very talented. She's very good at this. Like she wouldn't have fallen for the help me with this couch into the back of the car trick. You know, no. like she would Every never. Every time Greg and I watch this movie, he always goes, never help anybody ever, especially <laughs> yeah, at night. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, you could help people, but just don't like, you need me to help you get it up onto the edge of the car. Fine. I'm not getting into your van. Like, I don't know. Obviously, like, she shouldn't have yeah. done that either. Totally but, like, she, she does like think about it a lot. And then she's like, oh, fuck, I'm just going to fuck Yeah, it. she oh, does. God. And he just yeah. like pushes. He's like, oh, no, wait. You know, just. I mean, it's really easy to fall for that. I guess. He does a good job in it because he, he does, does. Ha- have the fake arm brace on at the time. And he starts by just ask like he doesn't ask either. He just makes it look like it. So now you've you've bought in already. And now you're in this situation already. So you feel like kind of obligated to do the next step. And he has to feel like a little step and a little step until all of a sudden you're in the back of the van and he's beating the shit out of you. Maybe (laughs) this is a little bit of viewer like over awareness, but the back of the van doors were paneled with wood with like a drilled in metal hook. And like you could see that when they were open at at that point, it's like he modified the backs of these doors to be a solid wood panel. You can't see through. That's when like you just turn and run. But I mean, I would never have gotten in the back of that van. One thing I didn't. I definitely would have gotten noticed. (laughs) But but it happened, right? Because he's based on. Luckily, I'm not strong enough to pick up a couch. I can't help you. I don't know what you want me to do. He's he's based on Ted Bundy. And that's how Ted Bundy did. it. He pretended to be injured and moving stuff. Yes. So. It's uh, it's you know the origins of true crime. It's Ed Bundy, Ted Bundy, and it's Ed Gain mostly, mm-hmm. uh, and then a bunch of other kind of people sort of jumped in the mix there too. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that that seems funny to me because it has him use night vision. Only so it's not weird when he uses night vision at the end of the I movie. Also I also noticed that this time I was like, wow, he so loves that just, night vision. He's <laughs> just watching a car under street lights. Like, I was thinking the yeah, same I noticed thing. they show you the night vision version and it's like very much she's like fucking it's blinded. Harder, it's harder like, to see. Yeah. That that was a fun scene too, because right before that they had the car coming up behind her with the headlights. And I was right. thinking like, oh, yeah. this is where he because you you know like he's gonna get her. So th- I thought that was a nice like misdirection where I was expecting like a push off the road. I, I don't remember the scene that was before that, but it was such a hard transition to whatever it was like something slightly creepy or something. Yeah, like and then and you go to her and she's singing like, American Girl. Yeah, uh-huh. mm. I let the night vision slide because they do I don't have a problem with it. He's I, a he's a weird dude who likes his night vision. Goggles. He's a weird dude. Makes him feel good. I feel like I can suspend the disbelief on it because they do mention that he like he's picking these people very particularly because we don't know in the beginning, but the size is very important to him of you and your skin quality. So he's got to like really stalk you for a while. I feel like before he like makes his pick. Did people have problems with the night vision? I I, I didn't. I thought I it was no. I didn't either. I'm just saying 
It's just kind of in like a literal practical sense. He didn't need to be using no. night vision at that no. point. No, to watch a well lit street. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And like a well lit parking area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It's kind of just to establish that he's good. Yeah, it. that he has yeah. night vision. So you're not he's like, what the hell's going on when they use it? Which later on. It, it is good that they did that because we'd have a whole separate conversation of like, oh, and now this asshole has night vision. Like right. at That's the end true. of the movie, yeah, it would have like, been, it would have been upsetting. Yeah, like, what is yeah. this? Yeah, it would have been a little too distracting at a moment where you're just so viscerally in it it's very true uh, it makes sense as part of a creep kit yeah yeah let's talk about buffalo bill a little bit so um it is obviously in a, another iconic character there's like three characters in this movie that become so iconic that ha- all have quotes and uh cultural uh footprint even to this day and bill's kind of the um i don't know the way to put it, maybe like the stickiest portrayal in this one, because they make it very clear that this isn't a thing that trans people do because they're trans. They explicitly we say that we noticed that too. Yeah. The, yeah. the language they use is a little outdated because it's 1991, but they do specifically say that this isn't a, a thing that trans people do. Trans people aren't just inherently violent. Yeah. While which is important. Watching it this time because I knew I was going to talk about it. I was thinking about that too and I was like, ooh, how is this movie aged? But I felt like it aged fine because they do. They mention that and they actually go say something kind of weird and Elector says something that he's not trans. They they go... They do, yeah. I, which isn't really his call. <laughs> like We wouldn't say it these days but I understand what he's well, saying but it still sounds... Like, he out feels of context, like, it's pretty... It sounds harsh. Yes. <laughs> so like... What he specifically said, because I definitely keyed in a lot onto this moment, was he said that he's not a transvestite. He thinks he is a transvestite. And I'm using the terminology of the time, but they are trying to become what they think they are. Whereas uh, this guy, Buffalo Bill, is just trying to change himself because he doesn't like who he is. Or I think he says, I think the word he uses, he's trying to be what he thinks he's supposed to be. Yeah, he's trying to transcend. I think you guys are saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, I think that's 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 well put. Yeah, he's trying to transcend. You know, because and like, he's transform, and that's what the point of the moths. The key difference is a trans person just wants to feel comfortable in their own skin. He didn't yes. want to be in his skin. He right. wanted to be in somebody else. He doesn't skin. feel like a woman. He just doesn't want to be in his own body. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And the he wants closest to transform. He, he heard was, "Oh, a trans person is somebody that doesn't feel like they're comfortable in their own body." Oh, I'm the same way. That's what Lecter yeah. says when he first is hinting at the fact that he already knows this guy. Uh, fledgling killer's first effort at transformation after um, Clarice goes and sees the guy's head in the jar and comes back and says, hey, what the hell was that? (laughs) Robbie, at what point in the movie do you know, because I feel like I can't tell anymore because I've seen it too many times, that you you know Buffalo Bill's making like a a woman's suit. Oh, I, you, I knew from the Oh, you knew going be, in. Because, I mean... It, the it, the, the that's, size that's thing and, like, much. looking at her back and stuff. Oh, no, well, so I could have picked that up on it, but from, like, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure Joe Dirt, they make it pretty clear that he's making oh, a skin suit. yeah. Well, if you've already seen Joe Dirt, then why yeah. even watch this? I, I really? mean, it's basically the you've same got thing. It. Same thing. Maybe yeah. someone remembers, though, because, like, wh- at what point do you have enough information to know that for sure? It's before Clarice finds the, Clarice doesn't know until, like, right before that final act. I'd say you should probably have a good idea when he's like obsessed with what size she is like right off the bat. It, like you already know he's been skinning people and then it's like, what size? Oh, you're 14. Oh, thank like why else do you need size 14 skin? 
Yeah, and you you also I think you might know at that point that they've said his mo is that he's not raping these women, and there's you know, he's yeah. just he's just keeping them for three days and then shooting them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then skinning them. Right. So you knew he was skinning them. You knew it wasn't sexual, and you knew he wasn't torturing them with it. Yeah. So it was like he was specifically just harvesting skin. I yep. Mean. I think they made it a little bit more clear after they found that body in the river where they went to go do the autopsy and they're like, oh, these are different like patterns or something like mm. that was taken out of the, her back. Something like that. Yeah. I think that made it a little bit more obvious, but you could probably pick it yeah. up before that. And if you don't get it by then, then you see the sort of um, pinned dress template kind of thing later in the movie when she's in the house in Ohio. That's the same shape. As the skin he took out of the back of that girl. Right. That's when right. she knows. That's when she, she figures yeah, it out, yeah. yeah. Which another use of, like, not showing more was better. Like, I feel like never really seeing the suit until, like, a very bit at the yeah. end mm-hmm. was, like... one the, glimpse of it for two seconds. That's that, all you need. That was yeah. the way to go. Like, I feel like if they really had, like, keyed in onto, like, the whole, like, crafting of it, it just would have been a different... It wouldn't have been... A, That's something they would do today, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then absolutely. in five years, it would, like, look shitty. That's like, why I like all of these good. older <laughs> horror movies, because I like the ones where you have to like imagine what's going on i don't want too much information that's why i like the ones like like the shining and like this one. Well, and i mean you only have like what two to three hours to tell a story and if you're gonna spend all of your time just digging in onto like how gory it is like my brain does that perfectly well on its own like right. tell a good better, story better right. even exactly that's i think what stephen king usually says is that like your mind can make a way better story than i could ever show you right well, that's why he's bad at endings right? parts, but the parts he can <laughs> yeah. write are better than my, my brain could come up like, <laughs> did your mind imagine a big turtle perhaps <gasps> Hey, I like that. Ben's just coming into our home, shitting on all the things we like. The turtle is fine. The the turtle is not the problem with the. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. We probably probably do have to do an it episode. I'll uh, volunteer for that one. Okay, we we can do that too. Um, Do you not like it? I think it's fine. I think the first, so part one of the newer movies, I think is pretty good, and part two, I think, is uh, not as good. Gets a little weird. I liked it though. It was fun because well, it's right, fun if yeah. you read the book. It, it like, tries to be a comedy a lot more than I probably needed to. It was not yeah. scary to me. Yeah. No, the second, which one. is fine because I don't like horror in general. I'm, I'm a bitch. Greg, Greg and I liked the book so much that when we went in, they like scared. did all these funny things and they made all these references to the book. We were like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. That's cute. That's too recent though. Can't do. That. Oh well, the we original. Be talking about Bill it. Hader calls it. Pennywise a sloppy bitch at one point. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's really okay. funny. They put a lot of comedy in it. They do. I mean, I mean they have Bill Hader. I think it's okay because they did the first one. As we all know, really quantity quantity really over scary. quality when it, it comes to comedy story. is, so is, is, is ideal. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, different podcast. Different pod. Um, so, yeah, I forgot exactly what we... Yeah, we were talking about uh, Bill and then the, the skin stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah, they didn't really show much of it. We should probably spend a little bit of time talking about Jodie Foster. Um would, who obviously we've mentioned throughout, but okay. Before before we go there, just yeah, Buffalo Bill again. There's a pretty similar thing with him as they do with Lecter, though, because we don't we don't know why Buffalo Bill is like this at all. No, we don't really know what's happening in the house. Who was the woman that Agent Starling's looking for? I forgot the name of her. Uh, the Mrs. actual Lippman. seamstress, Mrs. Lippman. She's in the oh, okay. basement, I think, in the tub. 
Yeah, that's seems, what I assume. Seems to be. There's like the a, a like a moldy body in a tub in the basement. Oh, I yeah. think I missed that. It's like a it very skeleton. It's like half the, the night. It's again just out. enough oh. to get it. So I yeah. think that's her. I assume he's one of her employees. Maybe that's where he learned how to sew or yeah, something. Right now, we're talking oh, about this. We don't know what the relationship mom. is. We were. I, I was thinking know. it could be his mom too, but because like he has to have been in the area because he coveted in that area. But they don't tell you any of that. Nope. But I know that he can sew. I've, and she was a seamstress. And you know that he was in that area a lot because Lecter said he coveted the the first victim, well, you know, by yeah. seeing her a lot. Well, the first victim was also a seamstress. So yeah, they could have just worked in like they could have just both worked in like a really industrial kind of uh, sewing facility. We yeah, have, we but have he was in that in area, city. you know. So yeah, like very intimate. <laughs> I I thought that she never actually worked with the Mrs. Person. I thought he was requesting things from her, and then like he like. Maybe wanted clothes and then it escalated from there. That's that's where I went with that. Yeah, but, but once again, it's because they didn't provide us much information, but just enough. And you think of all these things, and like yeah. you just find one you're happy with, and you just go. And yeah. I just I don't know. Yeah, they, like, they, yeah when we, we were we were, we knew we were going to talk about this, and then that's when we were questioning like, oh wait, but how does he even know her? Like I've watched just, this movie so many times, I just haven't even cared. You know, I'd yeah. put money on her being his like foster parent because like she was in the There's foster women. system. You know what I like? They kind of like to do that like similarity or mm. symmetry kind yeah. of thing i don't know but once again yeah i just it's, found it really no i don't know why i thought about that too but i was like mrs Lipman couldn't hurt anybody and i'm like i don't know <laughs> especially <laughs> she sounds like a sweet old lady when we were talking <laughs> she likes about to sew lecter poor thing <laughs> uh buffalo bill wants like this transformation and stuff i'm i immediately i almost wanted to say something like oh yeah because his, uh, his parents abused him or something like that i was like wait no they don't tell us that like Maybe they did though. I was like, that he was made a monster. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. He was. They do. He mentioned. But they don't talk about like. So like, I have all these things that I think are like part of the movie because they like give you just enough where you can like you fill in these blanks and like you don't even think twice about it. Yep. Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Um, So uh, Jodie Foster's performance in this movie is awesome. Obviously, it's really hard to do movies with this many close-ups for actors, I have to assume. And she is so good at just expressing some kind of like emotion just by like changing like how her eyes like flicker or just like a kind of just a brief look or something. She's really good. Especially I feel good like win. a lot of this movie is just two people talking. Yeah. And, and it just gets slowly closer to their face the, every yeah. time. And it's just like when it's your turn to talk, the camera's just looking straight at you. And I don't know why, but I love it every time. So it's just her looking right at you, like at you know the camera. It's kind of funny. I, I know we were talking about that, and I don't mind it the whole movie. I feel like it's great until she talks to her friend that's the FBI agent. Like, I don't know what her mm. name is, but for some reason, when I looked at her, I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I don't think you're as good as an actress as like everybody else that's in here. <laughs> did, did you feel like the friend was a little out of place? I, I just all of a sudden I was like, where did this person come from? Why are they in the movie now? She's, she's like the only person she's been hanging out with. They were running together earlier and okay, stuff. Okay. Yeah, but she's they're just, both they're both studying. Too, they're in the same are, class. They're in the same class, but she's just kind of there. That would I didn't even notice that she was in the class. So I was 100 percent like, who is this person? Oh, yeah, they're in like, class yeah. <laughs> OK, I, I would imagine. I think they're shown to be like the only two women in that class. So I'd imagine that they would want prefer to study together. Um, I feel like, I don't know when we want to talk about, but there's a lot of scenes with just dudes like 
making they very intentionally make Starling look out of place as much yeah. as they possibly so, can. So, so let's, small, and they pick the like all too, these like, huge dudes. How tall is Jodie Foster? Actually, I think she's like four eleven. Oh my she's god! Okay, legit, so she is legit, legit short person. Really short, because I was like, how much of this is her height, and how much is them? Like, okay, we need a uh, you know some random people extras. They need to be like six five. <laughs> The first like scene after she comes in all sweaty, she gets into an elevator and it's packed. She's all five with three. men. Yeah. Oh, so she's not that five three is pretty short, but it's not like that's not that short. It's not that short. So she's in this elevator, and I swear to God, it it's she's totally surrounded with dudes who are like twice her height. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, uh, let's put it like a a a pin on the close up thing because what the close ups work for for me is it situates you almost directly in her point of view because it's it's the dudes who are always staring directly down the barrel of the camera even if Lecter obviously staring down directly down the camera when he's talking to her but also every other man that she meets looking directly down the camera so it puts you in her discomfort in her experience of the male gaze and subverts male gaze by making this the audience you the subject of it who for a lot of people maybe haven't experienced that before. And it situates you so much in her, uh, in her point of view. And again, I mentioned a little bit before, but just the empathy for his characters that Demi has, it actually puts you directly in her mindset in her mindset rather more than basically any other trick or technique I can think of in a movie, just directly. This is what she is seeing at this moment and the dude is like, especially a lot of times with Lecter, he's like looking down like that. So it always feels like these dudes are filling up the frame and staring down at her. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, it's just awesome. It is awesome. And that obviously goes into the fact that it is doing all of these things really smartly to never let you forget that every scene in this movie is affected by the fact that she's a woman mm. without hitting you over the head with that man it's so good it is and it's it is. just like no other movie can pull that off that i can think of that no it is i feel like a lot of movies about... fuck it up really badly yeah. honestly the par- part where i noticed it more than anywhere else was when um after like the funeral scene and he was like oh you know can we not talk in front of a woman where she actually broke it down as to like what he did and like why it discredited her as a person yeah you've seen that a lot in movies where like somebody will react poorly to it but nobody just calmly explains like no. this is exactly what you did and this is why it was a problem which i think you need yeah. to see more. especially too because he explains why it's okay first He's and she counterpoints right. like no what you say yeah. matters and yeah. that's just such a perfect way to put it simply i don't think i've ever seen a comeback like that you yeah. know of just like a this is an honest conversation which yeah it was just refreshing yeah. yeah especially because the whole rest of the movie you can tell like there's just so many like very large aggressive men, right? And so everything that she has to do, if she's ever going to like overcome that, she has to be like passive and kind of be what they expect her to be and kind of like, you know, slither under the radar to get them to do what she wants to do. So like in that scene, right? They all they're all these cops standing around and she's just like, "Thank you guys all so much. You know, you've done so much for her. Let us take care of her now." Like rather than like, "Guys, get the hell out of here. Like there's too many of you." Yeah. So she yeah. has to She has adapt. to compliment them like 3 times before making the request that she wants to yes. say like, "Obviously, get the fuck out. Why are you still here?" Yeah. And even still after that, they like stand and stare at her for like an uncomfortable amount of time. Yes. And she's it's once 
again, she's not in the frame. They stop and they stare at you for like an uncomfortable amount of time before they're like, yeah. okay, I guess it, we it, should leave. It makes you uncomfortable. Well, it, it is. It is an uncomfortable. They're there. like staring, just staring at me. And I'm like, uh. And then like the sheriff in charge gave that like patronizing look like, you know, thanks, sweetie. Before yeah. he like, you know, it was just it was very well done. Very, very well done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you were saying, so many other movies, that character they get back to the car and she's yelling, oh, I can't believe you embarrassed me like that. And it's none of that. She just, he brings it up and she has like the perfect thing to say in response. What you say matters. Those guys look to you for how they should be treating me. Yep. Very That's important it. message. <laughs> yep. Yep. So yeah. But we, you don't this, see he was messages like that anymore. Yeah. Kids these days. God, Jodie Foster's awesome in this movie. She's just so good. Very She's older. so good. Is that her natural accent or did she just like learn that? No. So she puts on a little bit of a West Virginia. So it's weird, right? Because it's explicitly stated that the character is trying not to do an accent, oh. but and sometimes it comes through more than other times. Okay. And it's generally considered a pretty bad accent that she does in the movie. I, I okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. But, uh, but, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. She's she's awesome in it anyway. She's great. She I really like her in the very end scene. I don't know if we want to wait and just hit all that at once, hit though. It. Hit okay. it. Okay. Yeah. We've, I feel we've like... been jumping wait, around. Before, before we jump into that, yeah. does anybody know it. how tall Anthony Hopkins is? Five, nine. That came up when I Googled Jodie Foster height. Oh. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants to know. You know, if she's five, three, he's seven ten <laughs> that's what it feels like but there's only a half foot difference apparently yeah i i don't know i always thought he was kind of short but like i don't know just the way that they film him sometimes he looks real tall sometimes he doesn't I they're don't know. pulling the same shit they do in elf where <laughs> it is it's the same thing with her though sometimes they it's make the her same just height so difference tiny. i swear my pull was going to be like lord of the rings but elf too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. as we're recording this we're like what four weeks from the 20th anniversary of uh the lord the first of fellowship coming yeah, out. Yeah, well, we're five weeks from like Christmas, Ooh. so that's why I went elf. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do we know anyone that hasn't seen Lord of the Rings? We'll find someone. Mm. I I haven't seen uh most of it. I didn't think you did. No, nope. I've how, seen the third so one. Most. Oh, okay. That's a weird one to come in on. I've seen most it's, of the first one because it like he's seen way oh, more of the two walking? towers than anybody else has <laughs> yeah. ever seen. Like. I've seen the Battle of Helm's Deep <laughs> too many times. Like there's some parts like you just can't avoid them. Like they're gonna be on TV or you go to someone's house and it's on kind of thing. Yep. But I couldn't tell you the plot of the first one. Like hmm. besides a very brief summary, <laughs> there's a ring involved <laughs> to get the ring to to Mordor. I know yeah, that. Yeah, I kind of feel that way about the and first my axe. <laughs> Well, it's good. Anyway. <laughs> and that'll be another thing if we end up doing one. Well, I might just cut that one out in case. So we get oh. all the, we save all the takes for that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine with me. <laughs> so, and I'm curious how this hit Robbie because not seeing it before, this is maybe my favorite rug pull in any movie ever where so they're good. setting up. So good. She finds the dress that confirms, yes, the killer knows this person. He must be from the area or whatever. You know she's in Ohio. And again, another thing where they put the dominoes in place and you don't even realize it, the fact that the full force of the FBI, everyone that can help her, they explicitly tell you is 400 miles away. Um, and they are about to touch down in a suburb outside of Chicago where they believe they've tracked the killer to. They know. They, and they, have his, they do have they his name right. Yeah. Yeah. They have his name right. 
Um, they found a customs report where this guy was bringing over the specific kind of moths, the death head, the death's head moths into uh, the country. And it's this guy and they know where he is and they're there. And it sets up as the, uh, it's Catherine, right? Is the girl who's in the well. Yes. Yes. Um, as she's managed to finagle it. So precious, the dog, the tiny poodle falls down the well um, so all of this stuff is just like this noisy crap starts happening and Bill is really angry now and yelling a bunch and you see the FBI setting up outside the house flower van and it's <laughs> yeah and there's a flower van gambit the classic gambit of the flower van and they're cutting back and forth between the the hecticness inside and outside the guy rings the bell you hear the bell ring inside He's got that like crazy alarm system yeah. that just makes it way louder in his yep. house yep. so that it can ring yep. in his creepy basement. And it keeps cutting back and forth. He's getting to the door. They keep ringing the bell. <laughs> yeah, Crawford says, okay, go. And they're and they're about to breach the house. They get, that you see, like, I think you see them start jumping through the windows and breaking the door and stuff. And then he opens the door and it's Jodie Foster. <laughs> Smiling. So how'd that work for you? <laughs> Um, I mean, maybe it's just like my years of seeing movies, but as soon as he was like, we're 400 miles away and then like yeah. she was doing her own searching thing, I was like, oh, okay, this is the classic, like they're at the wrong location and she's going to be the only one at the right location. I, you know, the setup though was so fantastic. I'm glad you mentioned the doorbell part because that was where it had me going like, oh, well maybe they'll do it a different way. Like maybe she is at the same, You like there was still a part of me that was like not a hundred percent sold that that's what it was going to be until, until it revealed. But, um, they did it so, so well. So cool. Um, just so good. I also am a little disappointed. We didn't get to see how the precious gambit worked because I was very interested to see like how that would have resolved without interaction. Play out well for her. I don't think. No. think well, so. he went to go get the gun. Well, yeah. so he did, but I feel like she just goes back up against the wall and is like, you're going to have to try to shoot through. Right. Is it, she going to gamble on that though? Well, she that was her I'm, best bet at that. She's going to shoot have a you choice. if you don't give me the dog back. Oh, I, I think I'd probably. Uh, uh, that's yeah at, at that point it's it's probably like her best play it, it's yeah. all or nothing it's, i, think I she, will literally yeah. kill this dog unless i get out of the situation and I that's she i think she would have been fighting about it um but i think it would just would have ended messy is what yeah. would have happened like nobody would have won yeah. well the yeah. dog's dead she's dead yeah he can't get his skin suit now mm. <laughs> i think that's fair um but yeah so this sequence is awesome and it's something that the movie plays with so much and in so many different ways is at different times, the audience knows a lot more than certain characters in a scene. Mm. At other times, you're behind characters, usually Lecter. Sometimes you're with him ahead of other characters. <laughs> and it's constantly playing with what you know versus what, what the characters know. In this sequence, especially good. Um, just, you know, tension building 101. Mm you know something terrible is happening. The character doesn't know yet. She's in that house for a long time. Yes. <laughs> that scene just... just and you, just you like, know he's got the gun on, on the, 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 the stove in the next yeah. room. Mm-hmm. Yep, she's... They had, he's they he's had obviously her. just like laughing to himself like, yeah, business cards. <laughs> they had her like really... Not just like you could tell when she figured it out, but you could also tell like when she decided to pull her gun was like the absolute last minute you could have waited before I'd be like, why isn't this idiot pulling? Their-? Yeah. You know, like yeah. it was such a perfect timing of like, no, that was when she had to do it. Yeah. I did like when she walks into the room with 
him when he's looking for the business card when she's still like totally she's does not know at all that it's him the camera moves and there's the picture of the butterfly on the wall yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the camera in this movie is so fucking good (laughs) where (laughs) they want cinematography right and it just uh was not even nominated for cinematography and it just slow just moves a little bit edges up over her shoulder and you see the butterfly and then it just puts her back in the center of the frame mm-hmm. and you're just like as if just as if you should have gotten more oscars as if we don't yeah, already know that this is for buffalo like bill they just, the they're bill. confirming it for us like in case you guys were asleep for the rest of the movie <laughs> look at this this butterfly this is definitely buffalo bill <laughs> i do love that they don't address that like she had been told that they found the guy she was told that they're definitely about to go get the guy. She didn't like argue. She did, she just was like, "Yep, that's great." And then without any like further explanation, just continues to do her investigation, which just they, makes they explained it. it. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, uh, "I want you to continue digging up what you can." Right now, we're about to get him on kidnapping. We need him on murder. Okay, yeah. I thought he said we want to get him on kidnapping, not murder. It took me. I didn't. I didn't catch yeah. it the first time I watched. It either, I thought yeah. he was basically saying we need to go. Quick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like, thought she was basically like, "All right, these idiots got it." No, I, just I thought the same thing. Yeah. No, it's no, it's, it's like yeah. he's like she, we're gonna she, make it in time because they know when says, they kill her. Like, she explicitly says, "Oh, I'll be there in a few hours," and he says, "No, stay there because we're gonna find him with the girl. It's just kidnapping. You have the information to make this a murder charge." Mm. Yeah. And then right when like they do the breakthrough and uh, she's not there and uh, I forgot the agent's name, but he just goes Clarice. And that's when it that was perfect. Mm-hmm. That was yes. also perfect. Mm-hmm. I really like to at this part because, as we've said before, uh, Agent Starling doesn't really make a lot of mistakes in the movie. You know, they do a lot to show us that, like, you know, she's a great FBI agent. She's know what she, she knows what she's doing. The only time she really doesn't is. There's one time in a training exercise they show her fuck up, and it's right after she had met Lecter, I think. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. Right yeah. before they say that guy was killed. Yeah, and yeah. she's like a little off her game, you know, because of that. He's in her head. Yeah, he's in her head. And then, not that she messes up, but this whole scene, once she realizes this Buffalo Bill, she like almost stumbles getting her gun out. Like yep. they, they show that she's like terrified right now because she knows she's fucked. She's alone. Yep. This guy is not only just a murderer but like he's skinning women alive to like take their skin like that's a whole new level and she knows no one is coming to help her do you remember what you said about it miles away in that scene oh yeah he runs out he like she can't get him he she hears him go downstairs i'm like call somebody and (laughs) and i was like like, it's 1991 greg (laughs) she she already asked for his phone he hadn't given it to her yeah (laughs) yeah i guess she could have just like left and gone back outside but i think her yeah. the math in her head i'm assuming because my thought is she knows it's him before he runs away yes yes she could leave once he runs away she could leave but the math is how long it takes her to get to a phone versus he's going to go downstairs and kill this girl right now yeah. <laughs> that was i had like both of those thoughts where like when she stumbled with the gun i wanted to be annoyed because she's a police officer, blah 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 blah. I hate that. Like she could have taken him out, yep. but she's a trainee. She's not. A, she's not an FBI <laughs> and, agent. And she and failed also, that training. <laughs> and also, just like the the terrifying nature. Behind this is her first that encounter ever. That's there was so much that made it like a. Yep, that's exactly how it would go. This is the and first yeah. time she's probably ever drawn her gun outside of a training. Exercise. I, I still yeah. think, and I'm pretty sure the training manuals would back me up. I think she made the the moral like you know what's the the what should I do most moral choice. I think what training would have said is she should have went outside, grabbed a neighbor's phone, called the police, and then immediately went back inside. 
obviously again still training but i think that that was we don't know if he had neighbors <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, we don't I know how rural he like is he was next to train track yeah it was like a neighborhood i think oh, okay because i, I, I would have just immediately like ran outside banged on a door called 911 get here yeah now. but that's the lambs thing right she's gonna save that one. Oh right? yeah yeah, yeah she's gonna save that one say, okay yeah. right. yeah. save so one. that sequence is awesome and speaking of the training the whole time it's happening i'm like is she checking her corners she's like doing that too even when she's going down the stairs she's like stumbling and like she's opening doors and she's opening them too hard and they're like kicking her back and stuff you can tell she's like so no, amped up. She's so amped, much adrenaline. And she does such a good job like they, they with the that, acting for this. That yes. camera angle where they just have her feet and you're expecting them to like grab her ankle yeah. the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. That was such a good like and yeah. like no. Yeah. And I love she comes downstairs and she goes like, oh, Catherine, whatever. Is that you? And she goes, yeah, get me out of here. And she's like, FBI, you're safe. She goes, no, I'm not. I'm you gotta get me. <laughs> get me the fuck out of here. And it's almost like she's trying to like convince herself like everything's like everything's going to be fine. I think she says, and um, you can tell she doesn't believe it in that moment. And Catherine Super doesn't believe it in that moment. <laughs> we, I thought too was that she's trying to convince Bill because she says like the she other agents the are. Yeah, she's she's definitely That's like saying it for that his is the last benefit. Thing she says. So maybe at she first, builds up to. This. Yeah. She screams that. Yeah, yeah, she screams that. And That's I really like she's like looking over at the door. She's like, other agents are outside, <laughs> or they'll be here soon. She yeah. says. And what does Catherine call her? She's a stupid bitch or oh, something. You fucking bitch. You fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah, don't don't leave me here. You fucking bitch. I yeah, think what you she's fucking saying. bitch. Yeah. Get me out. And that. then he's like, quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, shut up, Jeff. I, I just love it too because I feel like it's just so real. Like, this is how this would happen. Shut that damn dog up. It doesn't matter that it's way better for Catherine if she's quiet right now. There's no way she's going to be quiet right now. No. It was basically like, it was almost like they were doing like a real life footage of like, we found a horror movie, like a, a serial killer because the reactions were per- And like, even yeah. as she's yelling, I'm getting a little annoyed. Like, it's like, you, you know, it's good for her. You know, she's obviously not going to stop. And then, cl- cl- shut up it's like yep exactly that's yeah. where i'm at and like absolutely you, where i'm at uh, the whole time like what the fuck do you think like, i'll just build you a staircase real quick don't worry like I, uh, let me turn my back and figure out a way to, like oh how about i jump down in the hole with you like <laughs> i'll boost you what the fuck no but that's how it would have been yeah. yes it's definitely absolutely. Yeah, that's why i love yeah. it so so this sequence is amazing and obviously one of the most uh iconically maybe even infamously tense sequences in, in film ever mm. um even though i mean like you know if you think about it in a vacuum jodie foster's not gonna die at the end of this movie probably but you've seen a lot of messed up stuff <laughs> um and this whole sequence as uh, it just keeps it keeps building in such an interesting way even though bill's pretty much not on screen for any of it just mm. As she goes deeper and she's seeing more and more depraved stuff. Get, it does just get worse. It starts yeah. like with her talking to him and you're like, oh, that's what the fuck. You know what I mean? And then he's in the basement. And you're like, oh, no. he he. This basement, we've they've guided us around a couple times now. It's a fucking maze. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's got like it's way too big. And you're like, oh, my God, she's fucked if he's in the basement. There's yeah. a well in it for some fucking And then it, the lights <laughs> turn off. Yeah. Right, I'm gonna yeah, yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's never gonna She's, out of here. You see, yeah. you see the skin suit in the dressing room for a little bit, and you're like, both of those is weird. And then she gets to that bathroom. You get like half a second of that decaying body in the extremely gross brown tub, 
and you're like, that's the worst thing I've, and then the lights go out, and you're like, oh, no. Now I'm alone in here with this dead body. Oh, no. Yeah. It's going to get worse. Yep. There's not like a person on the planet that could actually like go through all that and not turn around and run like props to her because she at couldn't. a certain point she, she was like lost at that point because yeah. next is uh, he's watching through the night vision and she's just stumbling. She can't yeah. find her way out and she's like trying to like she's breathing so heavy. Yeah, she's breathing super. She does such a yeah. once again. Jodie Foster is great. This whole thing. She's shaking. She's breathing super heavy. At this point, I was like looking over at Ray and I'm like. And her pulse never went above 285. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That, that sequence is so cool once the night vision kicks in and you see here. And I'm assuming they filmed that in daylight. I mean, maybe they did it in night vision, but I feel like that would have been really dangerous for the actor. <laughs> um, but you see that and it's his hand and he's just like right behind her at a couple times and his hands reaching out. Yep. And then you hear, you see the gun go up and then he cocks it and that's just enough she turns and I think like drops to change the angle or whatever and shoots him a bunch of times. And I just the muzzle flashes like illuminating him in the dark. And wow. Yeah, and then <laughs> the, the window breaks and they get like some light in. Yeah. And you see that she's unloaded six rounds in 0. 0.6 seconds. <laughs> she like fumbles the revolver and she's like trying to get the, the her next six in there. And it takes way and too she's long. Shaking yes. she's like, yeah. shaking the yeah, whole yeah, time. Shaking the whole time. Bill's fucking wicked dead on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but she is like, I'm getting these in there. Well, and right before the light goes out too, you just hear the shots. They don't tell you like who who fired who, who fired at first, which I thought was really cool. I yeah, you like just see the flashes. I I like that he fumbled for the hammer because at first it was like, oh well, luckily he fumbled for the hammer, she'd be dead. But you could even like you were saying with the hand, like he wasn't even a hundred percent sure what moves he wanted to make, and like you, it's shocking that he didn't try to fire it dry without cocking the hammer. So like even him having that foresight, like that was him saving the. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to suspend the disbelief. Like, that was a yeah. good scene of, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, And I just had the thought, befitting how the movie kind of operates, we haven't talked about Lecter for a while at this point. Yeah. And that's fine, because that's, again, that's pretty much, he's out of the movie from the beginning of the third act when he escapes until just after this. Just to, uh, just to speed run it, because we're right around an hour and a half already. <laughs> um, it's a good movie. It's a really good movie. We're not, I don't think we're going to hit longest episode ever once I edit this, but it will be close. Um, she, you know, the rest of the FBI makes it there. Good for nothing. Basically they take the Senator's daughter back so she can, they get the credit. Um, but she gets to graduate and become a full special agent. The Crawford characters there and kind of claps for her and then is at the party afterwards Creepily grabs her hand. Yeah, and they do a close-up on the hand, which again that situates you in how she how she processes that is Hannibal Lecter's in her head now. So she's reading so much into this hand grab. Um, maybe it's just like a cordial thing. Maybe it's not. Mm, that's I read gonna so be much into it too. Yeah, that's in gonna be head. in her head forever now. And then also obviously a direct mirror of when she grabbed the files from Lecter the last time she saw him. Mm-hmm. And he uh, just had like a one finger caress of her hand. Mm. Yes. Good stuff. And then she gets a phone call. That's, Love it. Uh, yeah. That's Love pretty it. much it. So it's, good. 
the whole scene of him i'm having a friend for dinner i was just, and again like with the backstory it's like i'm having an old friend for dinner and he's looking at an old person's like what did this person do to him? Oh, you notice oh, who it was it's no. Chilton. dr chilton the doctor who like harassed him at the, yeah, the psych he's, hospital. He's, he steps off the plane as he's looking at the, the, the local he's talking to he's like the, the security's all set he's i think he's fleeing he knows that because Lecter's he knows Lecter's him. hunting him <laughs> He knows. I saw like when he said I'm having an old friend for dinner. I saw like an old lady stepping off the plane, and I thought it was the old lady. He, I didn't. So she he stepped so out after her. So yep, and he's it's Doctor Chilton, and as Lecter's talking, um, and you see him, Doctor Chilton walking. He's saying something to some like local about like, oh, the security's all set. Like you, it's high security, right? So it's it's like implying he's fleed the United yeah. States. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Lecter tells Clarice that he's not going to come after her, which she already knew because as she tells her friend, she thinks that he would think it'd be rude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the most rude person in this movie was Chilton, obviously. So he's going to go eat Chilton now. Do they follow up with that in Hannibal or is that just like a... I don't know. You didn't, I... watch, you didn't watch it back to back last night? <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm I'm not sure, but oh, I don't. I think I think it answers it though because he says I'm going to have an f- old friend for dinner. He starts walking away in that kind of like sashaying yeah, slowly yeah. thing with his um, Panama hat and his wig on. <laughs> yeah, his wig. Um, and you see it, and it's just over the end credits for a few minutes. You can see him slowly following Chilton up the street, and. Um, and you can you can track both of them for a few minutes. Did you guys watch till the end of the end credits? No. We did actually, I think, because I thought it was funny that they credit you in order of appearance. So it's Jodie Foster followed by, um, like FBI yeah. agent who says you got they're looking for you and yeah, comes and gets guy. her on the course. I forget what he's credited as. Yep. And then the last guy is FBI agent with flowers, <laughs> and it's the guy who's like at the door ringing the doorbell and like looking back at them. Amazing. <laughs> Um, one thing I noticed, and it's why I said, I think they answer the question in this that I had not ever noticed before. And I'm glad I did. I like watching credits to the end. And plus I'm still typing out notes and it's nice to stay in the headspace. The music's really cool over the end credits and also just tracking how long you can still see Lecter <laughs> sashaying slowly and, um, villainously <laughs> after Chilton. Earlier in the movie, after it, you find out that the Jodie Foster slash Crawford offer to allow him to go to a still max security but better view cell in a in a state or in a federally run institution, where one ye- week a year he gets to go to a beach and under SWAT supervision swim in the ocean and walk along the beach. Turns out that's fake. Chilton goes to him and taunts him about it and says. Did you really think you'd ever get to walk on the beach with the birdies ever again? Um, the movie ends with him walking along a beach, stalking Chilton about to kill him. The music ends slightly before the movie cuts out, and the last thing you hear is birds. Hmm. Huh. That's cool. And then the movie ends. That's really cool. <laughs> uh, something I hadn't noticed before, but literally the score ends, but there's still a couple seconds of the credits, and it's just birds chirping. Hmm. Huh. That is pretty cool. Yep. Hadn't ever noticed that before. Very cool. <laughs> I didn't notice that either. Mm. So he walks all, so he walks along the beach with the birdies. Mm-hmm. I was like cool. so excited. On his way to kill Chilton. <laughs> I was so excited for the phone call and to watch him like walk down after Chilton. 
that I missed him asking her about the lambs. <laughs> like, I was so he was zoned like, did, in. did he ask it? <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, I missed it. <laughs> and, and just because I guess we kind of skipped over, but that scene where he's in we some... We didn't talk about the lambs at all. <laughs> right, right before... <laughs> they were quiet. Right before he escapes from that fifth floor ballroom in downtown Memphis. Is that where Memphis, they are at that yeah. point? Yep. Um, the last time that Lecter and Clarice talk in person is when they probably both secure their academy awards oh, yeah. uh in that sort of back and forth monologuing where she tells him uh what the name of the movie is and about how she was on the ranch and she saw she heard the lambs screaming and tried to save just one and he says oh so you think if you can save this girl that the lambs will stop you know screaming and you can sleep through the night she says i don't know and he says, thank you, in like a really creepy way. Yeah. And, then he's, and then she's like, so tell me who he is. And he goes like, nah. <laughs> Everything you need is in here. I legit wrote it in here. You're yeah. not going to find this out for several scenes. You should you check. Didn't you didn't look. You should, check you should read my notes for sure. You'll also know that I have a pen on me if you check right now. There's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, if you see I've written in here, then you necessarily will think, hmm, you had a writing implement. Oh, because he's he's been drawing. He's been charcoal. Oh, and charcoal. All the char- it's all charcoal drawings, and he they show the charcoal way. too. Yeah. He could find a way. I think. Honestly, sometimes like I do. The it. way his character is so good, a lot of times I think like, oh, he could escape whenever he wanted. He just didn't care to at the time. And yep. It's like it's you all saw a big a perfect game to him. opportunity. Yep. He's yeah. like, oh, my, no reason not to escape now. <laughs> Where the entire bulk of the force of the FBI is in a different part of the world focusing on one thing yeah that's kind of why like i don't think like from the very beginning when he first saw clarice he was like she's my ticket out of here i think it was just kind of like he yeah he played the hand he was given he was like oh I'll, I'll, this yeah. is amusing that's for why now. i think he, an opportunity yeah, yeah he had a plan ready to go and he tested clarice and he was having a good time with that yeah. but then also s- saw that he could finagle it into his plan um I was going to say, I, so you mentioned the ballroom thing. Yeah. I wonder like, if that's the first time they've done that setup like that, because you've seen that before, that cage in the middle of the room and like they have to surround, you know, like that kind of security. And like, is that the first time they've done that is what I was wondering. I do wonder. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure off the top of my head. It's, it's pretty, pretty affecting. Iconic, I guess. Yeah. I've seen it a lot since. Um. I think we've hit most of the things I do want to hit. Um, so Demi in all of his movies just really focuses on the way that, um, and this isn't my thought. This is from, there's this great critic, Emily Vanderwerf, who was the guest on a, a better podcast episode about Silence of the Lambs. Blank, she was a guest on Blank Check's episode about it. And someone on that episode, I tried not to copy them this whole time. Now that we're an hour and a half in, I guess I can admit I've listened to someone else's episode about it. Um, Talks about Demi as someone whose main focus is the kind of transactional nature of interpersonal communication and relationships. Hmm. So you get that very explicitly with the quid pro quo Mm -hmm. explicitly called out between Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins in this. Um, That's in a lot of his movies, too. The one thing that, you know, if Ridley Scott had made this movie, I don't think it's as good. I think it's still interesting. I don't think it's as good, though. He just has so much empathy that um, Bill gets to be a character in this. He gets to have his own scenes where he's not just murdering people. You can see, like, what, not necessarily engendering sympathy for him, 
but you get to see sort of a totality of a character there that I don't think exists in another uh, director's hands. I don't know if that's more screenplay, but that's that's something that's present in a lot of Demi stuff. So I'll give him the credit here. And also, I didn't write down who wrote the screenplay. I'm sorry. <laughs> they won an Oscar. They don't need my plaudits. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think that one of the main things that gets sanded down that gives this movie sometimes a bad reputation with the LGBTQ community is that the pop cultural imprint of it doesn't have that empathy. No for the Bill character doesn't have the nuance of other characters explicitly understanding that this isn't a thing that trans people do. This is a thing that Bill's doing. Um, and that all doesn't exist in the parody versions of this. I'm sure it doesn't in the Joe Dirt version of this. No, no, they don't. They, they leave that line out. No, and I mean, especially for the times, I think people should really appreciate the fact that they went out of their way to mention that this is not a trans thing. Like they didn't yeah. have to, or need to do that at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Literally 30 years ago. Yeah. This movie could have aged a lot, lot worse. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's, inc- yeah, it's incredible. It feels so fresh. Movies don't look like this. They don't feel like this. No. Um, and it's still it's still just a staggering achievement. Speaking of that, though, I did get an asexual vibe from Hannibal Lecter. I don't know if... Like, I wouldn't picture him being like... He was... I don't think he's gay. I don't think... He sh- I don't think sex so is cold, like a, a thing know? for him, but... Mm. I don't know. Doesn't That's my own personal well, he, fan theory. Yeah, his his balls doesn't get above eighty five. So yeah. no one no one makes his heart race. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's how that works. Any final thoughts on Silence of the Lambs? I'm supposed to ask, are you happy that you have finally seen it? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's something that at the very least, even if you didn't love it, you can say there's a big thing that I've now checked off my list. Oh, no, I, I loved it. I'm really enjoying the podcast. It's giving me uh, an excuse to try myself. I think this is like the second gorier movie I've done. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, And, and you watch Squid Game separately too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just been a very uh, growth-filled podcast for me. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the other one? Dead Poets Society? Yeah. It's got it was, dead right in the title. It was rough. Pretty no, spooky. Um, what was the other one? Oh, I had been worried about Alien because I knew about okay. the chestbursters, but I, I you mean- You forgot it was 79. <laughs> I said that. This is a 79's graphics I can handle. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And you guys- Always happy to revisit. Maybe oh. not. Maybe happy is the wrong word, but satisfied. No, I am. I am. I am happy. Like I said, though, it's not like just a any mood kind of movie. You know what I mean? Because it is like, I don't know if I'd call it horror. I don't know what they, I think they. Suspense thriller. Yeah. Mm. Those aren't always like my jam. You know what I mean? But I love this movie. Horror just because it had the like the skin parts. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that is what put it over from suspense to horror. For mm. me. Yeah. Some people do label it horror. I, I read that they said that um, there's only six horror movies that have ever been nominated for Best Picture. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. This is the only one. Yep. In, yeah. In terms of Oscar awards, it's always said this is the horror movie that broke the mold, even though when you're watching it, you're like, 80% of it is- it's Two people talking. Fucking, it's <laughs> is CSI, right? Like, it's, it's law and order. And uh, it birthed so much of that thing because so much of it until that third act where you're on the edge of your seat is just everyday procedural shit it's banal and you find the kind of creepiness on the edge of that through a woman just trying to exist in a normal environment right Mm. it's just a great movie honestly i love this movie so much i feel like it really everything about it really is perfect um i couldn't even guess how long this movie is no oh 
two hours, five minutes. Two There's hours, never a part. In it I don't know. I, I didn't check while I was watching. <laughs> I can't even guess. There's never a part in it that doesn't oh, I, feel like the minute is used up. You yep. know, like everything is nothing wasted. It's all interesting. Is yeah. And it, it just like it just goes right by. It you just you start it and then all of a sudden it's over. Every minute's great. And like I said, I think it's the best villain I've ever seen in a movie. And Honestly, he's not even the villain of the movie, I'd say. Yeah. I've seen this movie so many times, and I realized, like, almost toward the end, it was when um, Clarice and Dr. Lecter were having that exchange where you're going back and forth. I was literally, like, sitting on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh. And I've seen this movie, like, I don't know, 25 times probably, just so many times. And it's just every time I'm still fascinated by it. So uh, Lecter is number one villain on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains list. Uh, Clarice is number six hero. So Buffalo Bill, just a nominated villain. All right. Yeah. I'm glad you said that every part was important then. Cause I even like, as I was having trouble watching the part, I wanted to have like criticism about it. And I was like, I can't even give the normal horror movie criticism. Like every minute of this scene was absolutely necessary. Like mm-hmm. I, I couldn't change a second of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. You mentioned before that you think it was under rewarded. And I agree <laughs> besides the big five that it won, it was only nominated for two other Academy Awards film editing, which is really good editing. Yeah. <laughs> editing great. And uh best sound, not mm-hmm. cinematography, not the score. Yeah. 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 Is that sound specifically is just the music? Sound is um not music. More no. is it more of a technical ver the yeah, I think it's a tech what I'm trying to say is it's a technical category. Score is um like the, the music yeah. that's happening during the it. The music was great, especially during the opening scene. Mm. Um, and yeah, the cinematography was just awesome. The whole time Greg and I were like, oh my God, the cinematography yeah. like makes the, the camera work is amazing. Um, so seven, so only seven nominations. That's three less than Mank. <laughs> <laughs> you kidding me, Mank? Yeah. And how many did Mank So it's get? like, it's like 70% of a Mank. <laughs> it's about wow. <sighs> Man. Wow. And I, people always just say like, you couldn't cut a minute out of Mank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no wasted space in May. Um, you know the whole I, time I was watching Mank, I couldn't even guess how long it was. No. Ma- no. Mank we'll did... tell you about Mank separately out of this podcast. We've, Mank we've, only we've won two, but it did win cinematography. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so. So, yeah, so it was this one was picture, actor, actress, actress director, and adapted screenplay. screenplay yep. Yep. That's the, uh, the big five screenplay. You can be an adapted or original. Yep. Yeah, you're not. Given a demerit for being, they should have won yeah, both. It's not possible to get both. <laughs> <laughs> Mank almost did because it was made. It was a. It was adapted, and then also he writes an original screenplay during it. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, sure. so, so it should have yeah. been nominated for both. Should have been nominated yeah. for both. Snubbed. Um, <laughs> anyway, God, I was going to say something that would have transitioned us well into the next segment, and. Uh, the mank talk that you guys you guys always want to talk about mank. I have mank fever over here. <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to say. So you guys I get my mank merchandise. You guys have the the just standard DVD two pack of Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. I rented it from Amazon because it said it would be in 4K and um it was not really, but it was better than I tried to boot it up on Tubi yep. and it, the, the transfer was pretty bad there, but it was free there. So good for Tubi. Um, all that to say, I don't know when this episode's going to come out. It's become kind of a mess. November. <laughs> Everything keeps getting rescheduled. Um, we're recording this the week before Thanksgiving. As it stands now, this is the Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> oh my God. Perfect. Oh. I think I'm going to try to record something else. So 
if this gets his full he's <laughs> if this comes out was next week <laughs> i know right it's crazy it's early this year if this comes out before November 29th, you should know that the Criterion sale at Barnes & Noble is happening right now. The Blu-ray with tons of special features for Science of the Lambs is in there for 19 bucks. Hmm. So I'll, oh. I'm probably going to get that. All right. I will borrow that from you. Oh, wait. I don't have a Blu-ray player. I guess I can't. <laughs> You're saying that like I'm somehow being owned. I'm going to be the one. Nobody has a Blu-ray player. I'm going to be the one listening to Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster's uh, commentary over the movie. Hmm. That'll be me. I do want to hear what Tony has. I did start watching it for free as well, and they kept on putting in commercials right at the most suspenseful moments. And I said, screw this 30 minutes in, and I gave Amazon four goddamn dollars. Same same thing, but... um, Amazon is price matching, but just go to your uh, support your local Barnes and Noble, and uh, twice twice a year I think Barnes and Noble has a Criterion sale, and they're all fifty percent off. Uh, it only goes till November twenty ninth though. So if you're listening to this after that, there's another Criterion sale coming soon. I hope. <laughs> well, maybe we should get it because I just want to talk about a. There's a lot of good stuff in there that isn't in on streaming services uh, usually, and I mean Criterion editions typically look awesome and have tons of special features and yeah, real good. I'm going to get some, uh, and Wes Anderson movies to get ready for our Wes Anderson series. Oh yeah. Somebody should probably get on imaging that because if we don't do it soon, it's all just going to be lost. If it's not on streaming services already, like, yeah, no, uh, film industry is having a huge problem just like video games are with, um, archiving. It's, it's, mm. it's a, it's a mess. So many movies are made and then disappear into nothing because, to the popular collective consciousness of us in like a bigger sense, if it's not on an immediately available service, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, but that's a pod for a different time. I have a silly, stupid game to play. <laughs> Let's get in this. Uh, as you guys know, because I told you already, it's called Silence or the Lambs. I'm going to describe the plot of a movie and you get to tell me if the plot Sorry, if the title is related to sound, like if it has a word that has something mm-hmm. to do with sound in it, or a farm animal. All right. Okay, sound or farm animal. All right. Sound or farm animal. And we'll say, so the two parts to this. One, you can all decide if you think it is sound, sorry, if you think it's silence or lambs. And then after that, We'll tally up points from that, and then if you think you know it, if you guess correctly and you think you know it, you can get a bonus point. Oh, okay. Like, let me know what the actual title is. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. In this movie, a nanny acts out a marionette play about a lonely goat herd. Lamb. Sound. Silence. No. Silence. So- sound. Silence or lambs. Silence. It's silence. Silence. Yeah. Lambs. Lambs. Silence. It is I, silence. I know it. Um, do you think you know it too? I think so. I'm going to give a random guess, but Ray probably, I don't know if there's, I don't, I'm not realizing now if two of you want to guess, there's no way to like tell who's, <laughs> I guess it's just honor system. Just Ray, honor system. We're fine. First, yeah. So. yeah. Uh, sound of music. I was going to say the sound of music, but it was a random ass guess. So give it to Ray. <laughs> okay. No, I, I say honor I, system. That's yeah. yeah. If you were going to get it. Yeah. Oh, well, you're going to get it. So you both have two. Greg is zero. I've never actually seen the sound of music. That's why I, I just, uh, um in this 1998 sequel the main character travels to a fantastical metropolis 
that somehow contains all the world's landmarks in order to save his family's small business. Okay, one more time. Yeah, there's a lot in here. Uh, In this 1998 sequel, the main character travels to a fantastical metropolis that somehow contains all the world's landmarks in order to save his family's small business. Lambs. Yeah, fuck it, lambs. I'll go silence. It's lambs. Do you know, do either of you know what the movie is? Clueless. Couldn't even guess. Uh, Matrix. It is Babe, Pig in the City. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, what would Matrix have to do with lambs? I don't know. <laughs> it's supposed to be a farm animal. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. Is your guess. Um, all right. So, two, one, three. Mm-hmm. Okay. A movie that includes a memorable scene in which a character speaks directly into another's ear after removing it. Definitely have not seen this. What the? I feel like this is definitely a trick. This is about Van Gogh. Lambs. Greg goes with lambs. Mm, Silence. Ray goes with silence. I'm going to go lambs again. It is lambs. And do you know what movie is? (laughs) No, absolutely not. Shutter Island. Uh, Reservoir dogs. Dogs are on farms. Gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) Mm. There's it's dogs on farms. There's going to be a very, very narrow category. <laughs> yeah, dogs are on farms. I made that yeah, call. That's fine. Um, uh, let's skip, skip, skip around. <clears throat> this early Tom Cruise movie is about a race car driver who makes a new friend. Silence. So, Cruise. Sorry. Yeah. This early Tom Cruise movie is about a race car driver who makes a new friend. Silence. Ray and Greg went with silence. Give me the lambs. Robbie goes lambs. It is silence. Do you know the name of the film? No, absolutely not. I'm just guessing. Uh, that is Days of Thunder. Oh, right. Yeah, Days of Thunder. Yeah. Reboot. Uh, he makes a new friend. I was hoping that would make you think it's a dog or something. Huh. Um, all right, so... You're keeping track of your own points, right? Yeah, I got my points, yeah. <laughs> Two? Four? Three. Yeah. Okay. Two, three, four? Yep. Okay. Ray started really Wait, strong. no, three, because I got that one, last one right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Three, three, four? Yeah. Three, three, four. Okay. A Scandinavian couple has a kid, kind of, in this recent creepy drama about family? Lamb. Lamb. I mean, if I say lamb too, I see insecure my lead. So lamb. <laughs> uh, it is lambs. Do you know what the name of the movie is? Is it Stuart Little? I don't know. Midsummer. Um, it's not Stuart Little. It's called Lamb. <laughs> I knew it. I should just guess lamb again. Nope. Yeah, you got, I thought you guys had it because you said lamb so quickly and not. Eh, it was lambs. a couple having a kid, sort of. And I was like, oh. sort of. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, got a kid body, goat head. So yeah. Uh, or sorry, okay. lamb head. Like it's right. lamb. Okay. Yes. Nope, I had no idea what it was. Same uh, distrib- same distribution company as Midsommar. Uh, no. Also creepy just, like Midsommar. You said Scandinavian, so you got close. Yeah. You got close. This 1996 <laughs> genre classic begins with a former child star taking a phone call. The uh, the actor is a former child star, not the character. This 1996 genre classic begins with a former child star taking a phone call. It's silence. Silence. 
Silence. It is silence. Anybody know the movie? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Scream? Home Alone. Scream! <laughs> oh. Again, why am I guessing this have nothing to do with either silence yeah, or lips? <laughs> Stop yeah. doing that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> They're real bad guesses. Like I feel like there's a lot of hints in the way the game is formatted. I, but... I know. <laughs> I just didn't have any any guess, so. Uh, scream is a sound, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's so yeah. Greg got two points that round. The rest of you got one. Where do we stand? Six. Six. Five? Five, six, six? Okay. Ray with five, Greg with six, Robbie with six. I've got one, two, three, four, five left. How's that possible? <laughs> well, I'm not done. Wrong, so. <laughs> ben has a I list. Scrolled up or down. It's the same page. I don't know what's happening. Is this a Google Sheet? Is Corey fucking with us? <laughs> yeah. A lightly political comedy that includes a scene of a character going on MTV's Rock of the Vote and yelling, Kill Whitey. It's one of three movies that seminal film critic Gene Siskel has walked out on. <laughs> That's a hint. It's really bad. Okay, go again. Sorry. A lightly political comedy that includes a scene of a character going on MTV's Rock the Vote and yelling, Kill Whitey. I'm going to go with Lamb. Silence? Lamb. Silence. Neither. No, I'm going to go with Lamb. It is Lamb. Do you guys know the name? Is it something to do with, like, I don't know, elephant and something? Well, how many farms do you know with elephants on them? Donkey. Animal farm. Uh, it is called Black Sheep. It's a David Spade, Chris Farley movie. Oh, son of a bitch. It's like, I figured you guys get that. Yeah, nope. No, we could have nope. gotten that one. Could have got it, but you both get a point. Okay. You know, I was sitting there, I was like, this can't be Nanar Farm. Animal. I was like, unless it's like black sheep or something, there's no way it's gonna be Nanar <laughs> yeah, Farm. Yeah, animal. you can just guess. <laughs> just a phrase with an animal in it. Um six six seven? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. In this so I'm gonna say it's an upcoming movie. As we're recording it, it's out on Friday on Netflix. At the very earliest, it'll be a few days ago on Netflix if this comes out next Monday. On November 19th, this movie's coming out. The main character deals with the pressure of creating something important while there's still time. Silence. Lambs. Silence. It's silence. Do you guys know the name of this movie that is, I think, technically playing in some theaters, but is out on November 19th on Netflix? The Sound of Silence. When you say it, I'll probably know. Boom. So close. Bam. (laughs) Pop. (laughs) <laughs> it's called Tick, Tick, Boom. Give her a third a of third a point. A third of a point. <laughs> you got one of, well, there's an ellipsis in there too, but. Um, <laughs> fourth of a point. <laughs> fourth of a point. The el- I said the ellipsis. You just didn't. Oh, yeah. I did. You did wait a while before saying boom. Right. So, so, yeah, you can have a third of a point. <laughs> All right. Where do we stand? I have six. You've been stuck on six Se- for a bit. Seven? Eight. And a third? Eight. Because, uh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. In this 1973 animated adaptation, the title character helps the main character avoid death through written messages. So there's a few there's a few things going on in that one. Yeah, say that again. There, yeah. In this 1973 animated adaptation, the title character helps the main character avoid death through written messages. Lambs. Lambs. And Lambs. I know it. 
I don't know it. It is Lambs. Charlotte's Web. It is Charlotte's Web. <sighs> Would you have gotten it? Okay. Maybe if I thought for a long time. Man, I was thinking Disney. <sighs> I think there's two left, so. About that. So, uh, Robbie, I think, has a pretty sizable lead at this point. Ten. Ray behind by two and if two Robbie thirds. misses both of these, though, and I get them both and the bonus points, this is my game. He's got it. So, ten, seven, seven. eight and a third? Sure. Second last. This Martin Scorsese historical epic from 2016 centers on two Portuguese priests who travel to Japan. So, it's a 2016 movie from Scorsese. It's a historical epic. And it centers on two Portuguese priests who travel to Japan. I'm going silence. I'm going silence. Go silence. Wait, no, I'm going to go lambs. Silence. Silence, lambs, silence. It is silence. Do you know what the name of the movie is? <laughs> Whisper. Close. The name of the movie is Silence. Damn it. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> you were both pretty close. Uh, Ray is within a one and two thirds points. So you need to get both <laughs> points on this one and Robbie needs to miss. This 2003 kids movie is an infamous box office bomb that's set in the Australian outback. Oh, I got it. It's animals and I know the movie. Sorry. <laughs> Lambs. <laughs> Lambs. Kangaroo Jack. It's Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> wow. Oh. Uh, and if you're questioning it, I looked it up. I don't look it up. And uh, kangaroos farm animals in Australia. Say, yep. Kangaroos yeah. on farm. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, it's clearly you've never been to a farm in Australia. Mm, I guess not. That's pretty hilarious. Like, yep. Oogie loves. Is that you? I was like, is that a sound? <laughs> that's uh, yeah. I was like, no, it was like 2003. That's way too early. You're right. Yeah, so Robbie is the champion of silence or the lambs. <laughs> there was only one horrible movie in the outback around that time. <laughs> yeah, not a good one. <laughs> not a good one. There's some pretty amazing scenes that feel like fever dreams. Now that I'm thinking about it's it. it's supposed to be a kids movie, but has so um, wait, as the Wikipedia oh, yeah. says, lots of innuendo. Yeah. So I I have. I haven't seen it, so when we do that episode, it'll be a nice change. That'll be one Robbie has seen that I haven't seen. Uh, one, one, I think it actually. You know what kind of movies Robbie has seen? About. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, nah. Kangaroo Jack, though, that shit's hopping. <laughs> Kangaroo Jack has a. Do you want to guess what it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Ten. <laughs> oh, it's not a ten. No, 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 no. I mean, right. <laughs> it's a percentage. Yeah, no, ten percent. Um, Seventeen. Percent. Eight. Oh. oh, single digits. Closest without going over. Yeah, Ray got that one. Uh, the critical consensus: the humor is gratingly dumb, and Kangaroo Jack contains too much violence and sexual innuendo for a family movie. So bad. <laughs> All right, we dispirited away. Signs of Lambs. Next podcast is Kangaroo Jack. Wow. Has to start with an S for you guys all the time. Maybe we can't do Kangaroo Jack then. I don't know. Well, Skankaroo. Anything that you consider a perfect movie, we can do. So just <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I don't have a lot of, on the pod. <laughs> I don't have a lot of perfect movies left in me. The but, Shining uh, is the next one. S. Huh? Oh. Oh wow, that is pretty much a perfect movie. That is a good one. That's also the one I have not seen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get let's get the ending clean because I think I'm going to cut a lot of that. Hell yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for being on, uh, Ray, Greg, Robbie. Uh, I appreciate you, you guys doing this, obviously. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Let's, uh, go watch Silence of the Lambs. It's a good movie. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah.
they've stopped stopped screaming for me. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't believe you. No. <laughs> I hear them every night. Oh, oh that's me. <laughs> <laughs>